Riddle me this, pod fans. What's 90 minutes long arrives every Friday and all about the Caped Crusader? Why it's blabbing about Batman, the animated series, the newest Patreon-exclusive podcast miniseries on the Talking Simpsons Network. That's right. For the rest of 2022, we'll be covering eight of our favorite episodes of Batman, the animated series with the same heavy-duty research, clips, and trivia you've come to expect from us. And if you sign up at the $5 level today at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons, you'll get to hear each episode as soon as it goes live. Remember, sign up at patreon.com slash talking simpsons to hear all eight episodes of Blab About Batman, the animated series, as well as the hundred plus other exclusive podcast episodes we produce so far. So become a patron and join us through the rest of 2022 for another great miniseries. Same bat day, same bat podcast feed. I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talking Simpsons, home of the Super Sunday Brunch Spectacular. I am one of your hosts, the retired criminal Bob Mackey, and this is our chronological exploration of the Simpsons. Who else is here with me today? Henry Gilbert, and this is my podcast, Lock of the Week. And who do we have on the line, our special guest today? Well, I guess this is my shoe-in of the week because you stole the one I was going to go for. This is Alex <laughs> Navarro from Next Lander. <laughs> and this week's episode is Lisa the Greek. Now stay tuned for six hours of exciting football action. Yep, bye-bye, Belt. <laughs> this week's episode originally aired on January 23rd, 1992, and as always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real-world history. <gasps> oh, my God! Happy Super Bowl week, Bobby! The truly crappy Capital Critters debuts on ABC. Color Me Bad's All for Love tops the charts, and... Just as Lisa predicts, the Washington football team wins the Super Bowl. And uh, yes, that's uh, it was it's Super Bowl week. They timed it for this episode. Uh, we have a ton of stuff to say about the, the Super Bowl that happened this week. So uh, I'll just say the Capital Critters, we covered that uh, very in-depth, uh, unfortunately, on a What a Cartoon podcast uh, yeah. a little over a year ago, I think. Uh, yeah. I think so. Uh, all I'll say is more like Capital Shitters, <laughs> and that's all I got. I feel I'm like sorry. I could maybe seen one episode of that show, and that was enough for me. Yeah, it's a terrible show. Only exists because of The Simpsons. The Simpsons got very successful, and so, you know, then Steven Boschka's like, well, I can make a cartoon, too. What if it was like a terrible political cartoon about the rats who live in the white house like what would they say <laughs> with with very stupid things about race to say included it was a bad idea because we all know the white house is full of clowns yes, yes. yeah not rats circus yeah. yeah the capital circus that's a better show <laughs> but yes learn all about that uh in in that podcast and uh yeah color me bad's all for love it's it's a nice little song uh, to, to listen to at the the super bowl it's it's no i want to sex you up but it's all right sure oh yeah that's a much better i'm song. thinking of more the the robin hood uh, Prince of Thieves all for love oh yes yeah hey that's a good all for love too and but, that was just uh, a, a year prior to this or maybe the previous <laughs> year or two years ago I don't know like 1991 91 I think yeah. okay yeah yeah but yes the big news this week is the Super Bowl which is why they timed this episode for it as well mm -hmm. and uh, this is a very football-y episode of The Simpsons <laughs> uh, and, and we've got a good guest for that as well yes joining us this week is Alex Navarro of Nextlander welcome back to the show Alex thank you so much for having me i finally my football expertise can be put towards something that isn't just 
playing Madden every year. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's an episode about football in which you actually see no football being played. <laughs> yes, it, it's amazing that, yeah, and I, I was going to say, Alex, I was like, well, I know Alex must know something about football based on how many times he's reviewed Madden, the NFL video game. <laughs> yes, it's true. I, I've been watching football for many, many years of my life. I briefly worked as a tester on the 2K football games for one year uh, before I got an actual job in games media. Video games and football have permeated my life in ways that maybe they shouldn't have, but uh, here I am. Well, and so, you know, when this episode aired in, in early 92, were you already a football fan even at that young age? I was like a loose football fan at that age. Like, baseball was kind of my sport of choice when I was like about that, about that old. So I grew up, when I sort of became aware of football, I grew up in geographically the team that would have been the one that all the people around me were, vote, were rooting for would have been the Washington football team. And even mm. as a kid, before I even knew about the racism aspect of it, uh, I hated that team, despised them, wanted nothing to do with them. And then I picked the Patriots for some reason, because it was just like, <laughs> they had the orange uniforms back then. I was like, oh, they look kind of cool. And then they, I was rewarded with about, let's say about 15 years of mediocrity before Tom Brady came around and then uh, gave them some Super Bowls and then uh, ruined all that by uh, having a MAGA hat in his locker. Uh, well, you know, I feel the same way like with pro wrestlers. It's like, look, I just assume every pro wrestler is probably probably a conservative guy and then I get I get to be happily surprised when they're not you know yeah yeah it's it's one of those things where it's just like every sports person will eventually disappoint you in some way you just hope it is a mild disappointment in the end <laughs> does gambling enter into your enjoyment of football in any level not this is not a sting yeah. yes yes <laughs> well that's the thing it's it, the thing that struck me the most about this episode especially watching it now is how quaint it feels considering that literally when you watch espn now and they are talking about football they are putting the betting odds in the like legitimate coverage of their sport because it has become so legal and so like embraced by the leagues because they know that they can make an absolute garbage ton of money off of it. It's everywhere now. And I was never much of a sports gambler. I would spend like 50 bucks on the Super Bowl with my friends. That was it. And now it's just everywhere and it's kind of horrible. Yes. Uh, I mean, we'll get to it eventually, but in this podcast, or sorry, in the episode, Homer says, you know, it's only uh, illegal in 48 states. That has changed. Some form of gambling is illegal in every state because uh, America is a failed state. We yes. can't actually collect taxes anymore, so we have to steal from poor people. We found a new way to do it, and that's mm -hmm. making every kind of gambling legal, or at least one kind per state. And yeah. sports betting is actually legal in 30 states at this point, at this recording. It's it's nuts. I didn't realize how pervasive it was and how heavily advertised it was until a lot of those companies started advertising them on like podcasts. Like right. I would hear them on podcasts, and also. You know, I am not a sports viewer regularly, but the Venn diagram crosses over with wrestling. And so when I watch pro wrestling on TV, that is when I see the ads for gambling sites, even ones who do like product placement on AEW Dynamite. Yes. Where they say like, where you can gamble again on a, the intentionally faked or predetermined pro wrestling shows. It's it's ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. And you definitely see it a lot on AEW because again, Tony Khan is from, you know, like his father owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. And yeah, like the ownership has embraced it. Like everyone seems to have embraced it. And it just feels like we're running out of ways to squeeze money out of the rube. So let's just legalize every <laughs> possible avenue. I'd rather 
rather bet on the Bud Bowl than on wrestling. <laughs> it's probably <laughs> it, it's probably slightly less fixed. <laughs> I've you know I've never gambled on wrestling. I haven't out of all the things in eight. I I'm not saying I don't love gambling, but I've never I've never gambled on sports in general. It just seems too complicated. Especially once I saw the that Safety Brothers movie Uncut Gems. Oh uh, yeah, and see, I was like, man, gambling, sports gambling is so complicated. All these side bets and all this stuff like the spreads, spread bets, yeah. The spr- yes, oh, uh, it's too co- it's too complex. I want to sit in front of a machine and I press a button on it, and then when the spinning things stop i either won or i didn't yep now you never bet on wrestling henry have you ever pulled the lever of a john cena slot machine you know cena hasn't done it yet i I would (laughs) if there was one there i if there was a cena branded slot machine you know (laughs) i i don't gamble i don't like it there's no like religious reasons or like you know history of addiction or anything i just i don't like the idea of losing money Mm -hmm. and just the other day i was in an arcade playing the crane machines and after three tries i just felt very sad like (laughs) yeah i I wasted all these david buster points and i'll never get them back and i didn't have any pride and like no i must win it now sunk cost fallacy i just walked away i'm a bad gambler for that reason i just walk away but so in, in your case you actually ended up in the perfect situation where you tried a few times didn't lose a lot of money and you said okay i'm done i'm i'm the, you've cut yourself off the worst thing that can happen to you in gambling is winning a decent amount once because then you are going to chase that for the rest of your damn life yeah no i i think that happened to my dad i've heard this story that on my parents honeymoon that he hit big and then lost it all and then like sold their plane tickets or whatever to try <laughs> to win back some money and uh, that didn't work either kind of, kind of ruined their honeymoon that's a very homer simpson move i feel like yes <laughs> yeah i promise i'm not mistaking an episode of the show with, uh, with my parents <laughs> but also alex with your your madden knowledge too i wonder uh-huh. is 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 madden ever used for gambling purposes do people ever sim out games in that for gambling so so I haven't seen that, but they like, you know, EA would always send out a press release of like, we simmed the Super Bowl and here's who how we think who's going to win and who's going to have the most touchdowns and all that stuff. And it was, you know, hey, they were wrong about 52% of the time, I will say. <laughs> oh, Madden Gambling. This brings me back to uh, 20 years ago when I was in college and there was a little cafe on campus in one room you could play Madden in with people. They had to shut the room down because a gambling ring had started. Whoa. Yes. Wow, man. That's, <laughs> geez. We didn't do a uh, Super Bowl or any of those pools, but I did, we did a pool for like the Royal Rumble of put $5 in a pot and random numbers you get. You don't pick the guy who you think is going to win, but you don't know when each guy is going to enter. It'll seem likely that say John Cena will win, but you don't know what number he's going to be and you randomly draw numbers. So it makes it kind of a gambling thing in that way. But mm. no, I've never, never really got into the sports betting thing there yeah yeah my my gambling was always poker that was where i you know i used to play with friends when i was in vegas for some ungodly reason i would you know i would hit the tables for at least an afternoon but i also realized there was gonna have to be a hard limit on that because there was be a it could get real dangerous if i ever got too into it (laughs) (laughs) you know that gambling and the poker thing too i have felt the itch while playing the we were talking about it off mic that marvel snap a video game because uh, on on phones, the app. I shouldn't say. I'm talking like an old man. Like the mm-hmm. video game. What I mean on the app. telephone. They have games on your phone. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But but it is like I've played it, and it's just it's the not just the experience of wanting to get the to pull the right card. Of like, come on, show me ace, show me an ace. But also that you're thinking like the randomization of so many elements feel like waiting for the slot machine to show the one thing uh, you want to see. Like there's see, there's a lot of random elements. I prefer the skill in Master for story- storytelling of Bayonetta three. 
saved my life. <laughs> it's all it's up to you whether you dodge <laughs> that or not in inner witch time. Not not some random thing. <laughs> this is a big episode. Really the only reason they wrote this episode is because they are de- many of the writers are degenerate gamblers. Yeah, there were no phones in the writers room because it was 1992. So to pass the time you would either uh, write in the dictionary, draw little cartoons, underline things, eat or gamble. Yes. And <laughs> those were the things you did in the writer's room of the early 90s. And some more preliminary stuff. This episode, uh, for the longest time, because I'm not a football fan, uh, maybe until 10 years ago, I thought this episode was named after the movie Zorba the Greek, having never seen it. <laughs> I assume there was some connection. Like, is it about a gambler? I don't know. Maybe. But then I found out about Jimmy the Greek. We'll talk about him later. But this episode is actually very heavily based on a Mary Tyler Moore episode from season five called The System. And on the commentary, Al Jean makes a joke that when this episode was pitched everyone in the room was very aware of that episode because it had just aired like 15 years before they were <laughs> pitching it so imagine like can you probably remember something that aired in 2006 that's where they were uh in 1991 and it, and james l brooks was showrunner on that season like i uh, bob shared with me the episode and i, I skimmed around it in the credits james l brooks is like co-executive producer on the show and they they say like oh yeah brooks didn't even remember it at first like oh is this uh did we do this on the Mary Tyler Moore show? And it's it's basically like if Al Jean now would say to somebody, do we do a monorail episode of The Simpsons? Yeah. I think that sounds right. Like, uh, yeah. In this case, Lou Grant is the Homer uh, figure and Ted Knight, Ted Knight's the character's name. Yeah, yeah. He is the outsider Lisa figure who figures out a system to sports betting. But mm. in the case of uh, the Mary Tyler Moore episode, it destroys the art of betting for Lou because it's just like stats and math. And he mm. becomes very despondent over that so that's all on youtube it's very easy to find if you want to watch uh the system which is this is very loosely based on it but it's some core ideas from that episode it also definitely feels like the writers venting their anger towards each other over gambling like that's why they have mary tyler moore in the episode says to lou grant like this thing is completely distracting you and it's not making you happy like you're miserable you you have an addiction and it's it's about them trying to get less into gambling oh and that one they lose big at the Super Bowl they do not win at the the Super Bowl so it's uh, instead of the happy ending that this one has and one final preliminary thing is that we covered it a bit the first time we talked about this episode but in, in th- upon this uh, revisit and doing research I realized how much of this episode is a parody of the pregame show the NFL today yes so On CBS m- yeah. uh, you don't need to know that but uh, when you find out how much is based on that it's astounding something that's still on the air but the form of it that they're parodying was the form that was contemporary at the time yeah alex you a regular viewer of the nfl today on cbs uh so i have i yes as someone who does still watch football i inevitably catch the both the cbs and the fox pregame ones because those are the ones that are on throughout most of the day and yes the current version which i believe has phil sims and oh god i'm trying to remember tony romo is the main commentator now so he's not on there oh god i don't know it's a bunch of old guys uh it's the ones that aren't on Fox, which is like Terry Bradshaw and all those dudes. Right. Yeah, I'm more familiar with those guys, uh, in part because they did a Simpsons cartoon once. Yes. Yeah, but- I mean, for all I knew when I was 10, uh, Smooth Jimmy Apollo was just a new character they invented.
it and also i didn't understand lisa referencing phyllis george until uh yesterday <laughs> yeah me too yeah you know there were several good 30th anniversary things this year uh on the episode and uh in the forbes one which had a long interview with uh, al jean about the episode he makes the point of like well yeah we as gamblers especially they were all glued to nfl today and these other shows because you couldn't just look up the stats you couldn't just look up like well it's the you know in my market i can't watch the game i bet on but it's the third quarter what's going on you had to watch shows like nfl today or or just updates during the game to know what was going on right well that and also like that was the heyday of the sports bar where people would go and every single game would be on tv because they bought you know the insane satellite tv package or whatever which is why i think the sports bar has kind of fallen on hard times as a concept because nfl red zone exists and these you know various cable packages where you can just watch everything exist and the internet exists like there are a million ways you can watch all these games some of them legal some of them not but the idea of you having to go to a place where they give you jalapeno poppers and you sit there and you eat your goddamn jalapeno poppers and watch the football like a good little boy they're not really it's not really necessary anymore uh this is ruining society people don't socialize as much anymore because of that. nobody socialized at those bars no <laughs> just fixed on the tv mm-hmm. eyes straight ahead before we get into it rich moore directed this episode one of the best directors on the show he would go on to be supervising director on the critic and on futurama he would direct wreck it ralph and zootopia i believe uh big big wig in the animation industry this episode was a challenge for him it's a good looking episode but in this episode homer simpson is on the couch for about 70% of it. Occasionally, they let him go to Moe's to, like, collect money, but he is really fixated on this couch. This episode is so domestic, yeah. but it still is not boring to watch. And he successfully avoids having to have his team animate football being played. Like, it's it's amazing. And I have a theory about that. Uh, number one, it's hard to animate football games being played. Mm-hmm. But number two, they don't know who's going to be in the Super Bowl nine months ahead of time when they're writing and recording this. So they know no matter what they do, the teams will have to be 80 yard in at the last second, which is why only a few times you see Lisa say the names of the teams who are playing in that Super Bowl. So it would be weird if that is the one game you don't see animated. Yeah, if all the yeah. other teams that were you know predetermined, if those games had all been animated, it would be weird if the pivotal game was not. So I think there was a executive level decision made that we don't see any game being played because we can't actually animate the final game because we don't know. We can replace dialogue. We can't replace colors yet. This is not digital animation. And it's one of those things where like it actually kind of fits the theme of the episode because the football is actually the least interesting part of what is going on there for everyone involved. Like Homer's whole thing is that like, yes, yes, thrill of the game, what have you. But there's this extra thing on top that really makes it sweet and it's taking Moe's money. I I think too, you know, the NFL is very strict about their, I mean, even compared to other professional sports leagues, they are very strict. So the Simpsons, even under parody, I don't, I would figure their lawyers told them like, you you do not draw a single NFL logo on this thing. You can do the what colors, happens? that's it. Yeah, I assume that when the Denver Broncos are on Homer's lawn, they just have the colors and not the logo, right? I think so, yeah. I mean, one, we noticed that when they had Magic Johnson in this season, they clearly made a deal with the Lakers to get the official Lakers logo in the show. But, you know, this was before, uh, it's actually a very interesting time when this aired too, because this is a couple years before Fox gets the NFL, so they can take shots at the NFL or like joke around in any way they have the freedom of not worrying about scaring off or pissing off their incredibly important content partner that now literally everybody will like billions billions just to have some football on your channel yeah and it's I'm looking at the footage now and the Denver 
Broncos do have their uh, logos on their helmets in oh. that scene, and you only move twice. So. Well, well, well. Either they they paid for it or they didn't care. Well, yeah. they got. They, oh, sorry, Alex. So they would have gotten the NFL what three? That episode's what three years after this? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, I yeah. guess it's when they had the NFL then. Yeah, so, so they would have had, had it by then. Uh, permission. Yeah. And then not long after that, Pat Summerall and John Madden just appearing on the show. Right, right. Yes, Alex. Too, you've seen in like football, video games, even back then, the big deal was like Madden got the NFL and other things didn't. You'd Tech Mobile. Well, actually, Tech Mobile did get the NFL. It had some of the time, NFL. I don't know if it had all the player yeah. names, but yeah, it definitely had some. I mean, there were other like you know, there was like the Joe Montana game that came around. There was a few others. The NFL license was not exclusive. It was just that no one really paid too much attention to the other games that weren't Madden until 2K came around. But but yeah, Bob, you're right. This this is a great view thematically of how gamblers view football. Is just like it is a series of stats or results that you gamble upon. It doesn't mean anything. Like whoever the player is, whether they broke a passing record or whatever, that's nothing. Like yeah. that's nothing. The men telling you the score is more important than the men playing the game exactly. on the field. Very much so. Yes. And yeah, you know, on on the history of this one, I want to give a tip of the hat because he also was a, a nice dude to me on uh, Twitter as well. Alan Siegel. Uh, who wrote uh, for The Ringer and Oral History of It earlier in 2022. He did did a really good job. He talked to lots of the folks, writers and actors on it, uh, had a lot of insight. Also, because it was for The Ringer, it had a sports insight that gave me, you know, a viewpoint uh, I don't know as well. Uh, and, and also, when I, when I talked to Alan, I said, oh, you know, the only thing, like over DM, I just mentioned him, you know, the only thing that it doesn't have is, is the stuff about, like, Lisa predicting it correctly. And he, uh, all those years in a row, and he says, like, well, yeah, the editor didn't think, he knew that people were going to know that was missing, but he's like, the editor thought it didn't matter, I think, was the thing, which, no, you need every single, uh, that editor, a fool, a That's fool. why podcasts better than the written word. <laughs> but We include everything. But but I definitely have cribbed a few things from Alan's uh, great article, but they already tell enough of the fun story behind the scenes on the commentary as well about it but it is the simpsons writing staff in the golden age was especially as headed up by jim brooks and sam simon i don't get the sense that i think this was games played without mac rating i do not think mac rating was a a sports gambler but james l brooks and sam simon the two other co-developers of the show with graining huge gambling addicts like they (laughs) love gambling on on football as well jeff martin in that ringer article tells a story that when he started there sam simon's like oh so you like football which he really meant do you like gambling and then jeff martin said to him i'm more of a baseball guy and he said that he felt sam simon instantly judged him and was like Ugh. A baseball guy come on like you can't gamble on that as well jake hogan one of the co-writers of the story tells that they before the super bowl in the year before this at the super bowl as a group they all flew down to vegas and he says he saw one writer lose a small fortune Ooh. on super bowl 24 betting on denver which is why i think homer has the line stupid denver in this episode <laughs> this is a quote uh kogan says about this the writer's room is where i learned to not give a shit about football teams and just give a shit about the spread that's that's what he said they learned and that mike reese is also very funny on the commentary because he's the one guy's like oh, i can give a crap about your football stuff this is stupid to me it made every day two hours longer <laughs> yeah and uh, and i also want to say that our our pal and previous guest on the show tim kalpakis of uh the birthday boys sketch group and the sloppy boys he worked at gracie films uh, about uh, 12 years ago one of his main jobs was 
delivering the envelope of money to the winners of this football pool he is he has handled the manila envelope full of money <laughs> uh he says he has dropped off that money to stars like josh demel and adam sandler oh wow yeah uh, and i was like well adam sandler why is he in the jim brooks pool i forgot that adam sandler is a star of the jim brooks directed spanglish from 2004 oh you're right good buddies yeah. so if you, if you yeah. see a pa there's a good chance they could have a sack of money on them <laughs> you you know now i'm telling people to case the the guys if you see a pa drive away from the gracie offices you know they've got thousands of dollars in an envelope <laughs> find their names in the credits and, and, tra- and just travel after them go i guess for guys like adam sandler especially when you're that rich money is meaningless but if you bet well like it's like oh well this is much better money than just like 80 million dollars from netflix or yeah whatever. what's the worst thing you have to do make another grown-ups <laughs> <laughs> and yeah it, it does make me wonder is this why so many of these writers stay here this long is that they have had these gambling <laughs> the gambling debts they all owe jim brooks money <laughs> oh and also he mentioned that george meyer that was how tim calpacus got to meet george meyer was dropping off the, the money to him one time and which he also mentions george meyer lives in wilt chamberlain's home which he got to see which is the the old home that wilt chamberlain had the famous one that had the stories of the the hot tub reveal in the living room that you like press a button and it mm. opens up and like ooh, a hot tub right there in the living room now i need to know who owns that house now you know i think meyer probably still owns it good so, I, if i know, if i maybe. did i would but i actually sent an email to tim just asking like hey can can i mention this again on the show that you dropped off the money at the gracie films thing he's like yeah he he said when he dropped it off to josh demel he got to meet fergie because he was married to <laughs> her at the time oh yes yeah so you get to meet the stars when you're dropping off all the the simpsons football money uh also another thing to mention about the behind the scenes on this one that kogan waldarski wrote is technically and i and it's totally deserved yardley smith won an emmy for this episode for her performance in this episode uh but uh, i found out the 1992 primetime emmy award for outstanding voiceover performance it was the first time they gave away that award to actual voice acting in a cartoon it basically is the simpsons award they invented and because of that they simply gave six emmys to different members of the simpsons group. oh uh, because yeah. I-, I thought only marcia wallace won for bart the lover i completely forgot that uh yardley or maybe i'm just learning this for the first time yardley smith i mean did the entire cast just get emmys for not, voice acting you know not the entire cast but it was okay. like definitely nancy yardley marcia oh and also jackie mason as well right right yeah and i think dan and julie but it's also named for different episodes like bart won for uh, bart <laughs> nancy cartwright mm-hmm. won for separate vocations yardley's was for this so but they did win as a group not I, so yeah that's how it's listed on the the emmy page but, but yeah no hank and harry they tried <laughs> i i think they got him later but uh but yes but technically speaking as far as it goes yes yardley smith did win an award an emmy for her performance in this episode and it's totally uh deserved i'd say i i think so oh yeah this is a great lisa episode and uh but i guess uh this this episode uh yeah the title well i mean his 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 character shows up very early in this so why you, why don't we talk about jimmy the greek now <laughs> uh yes jimmy the greek snyder a mainstay on the nfl today for 12 years and then unfortunately he was the late 80s version of canceled <laughs> 
when he said unfortunate comments about black athletes on uh, an interview. And uh, he thought he wasn't being racist, where he's like, no, these are actually compliments. But you can look <laughs> up what he said. You know what? I can yes. imagine yes. just based on that description, the exact thing he probably said. And yeah. Yes, yeah. Mm. <laughs> because it's key to a thing I'll play in a second. He definitely talks talk specifically about the thigh muscles of black men being a certain oh boy. way. And yeah, it was yeah. some eugenics-y type stuff. Yeah, just get yes. those brain yeah. calipers out while you're at it. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and I think it was the first time I realized, oh, smooth Jimmy Apollo. Apollo is a Greek god. That's very clever. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's really smart. And so so they're making fun of a guy who, they, when they put him in this episode, they're parroting a dude who got canceled four years ago who's off TV at this point and is like a a memory <laughs> he's a memory but you know that that kind of personality if not specifically him was definitely a thing that permeated that like sports coverage and especially football coverage of that era like if it wasn't him there were other guys especially on like local news that would do similar things so it was still a concept that existed it's just i think he was the most famous version of it and then i read that part of his appeal too was because back then again we talk about how insane it feels now but back then, the NFL wanted to have no relationship to gambling at all. They did not want to say the odds or anything. And so part of the like dangerous fun of seeing Jimmy the Greek is his name is like he's a character out of the, the Godfather, which had just come out in the in theaters in the 70s. He's like, oh, yeah, I was I lived in Las Vegas a bunch, he'd say. And he'd have funny euphemisms and and he'd just wink at the camera like that was part of the dance of the, hmm. of the fun of the guy. Yeah, he, I saw that the thing. The reason he was even asked that was it was like for a Martin Luther King Day oh, <laughs> event too. Yes. The timing was very unfortunate, and in his head he thought, "No, this is a compliment." Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh... I'd like it if someone praised my thigh muscles. I mean, <laughs> oh boy. And uh, yes, Bob shared with me a sketch I'd never, uh, I had not seen before, and if I'd seen it on Comedy Central reruns as a kid, I wouldn't have got it because I did not know the context of it or NFL Today. I didn't see it either until looking it up. And what's interesting is that. So Phil Hartman is playing uh, Smooth Jimmy Apollo in this episode, and the caricature, uh, the voice caricature he's doing is basically his Sinatra. But in this SNL sketch, we're going to hear Phil Hartman doing a fairly accurate impression of uh, Jimmy the Greek that is closer to his actual voice. Nothing like Sinatra at all. <laughs> so uh, this this is from the, uh, the sketch that aired, like, I think literally a week after he was taken off of the show called NFL Today Black Pride, uh, which is very funny that it's basically the concept is that the character is over they have allowed jimmy the greek back on the show and he has overcompensated by learning a ton about black history for <laughs> black history Month. oh my elway's been given a free ride all his life he's got those big thighs that go high into his back which by the way is something you see in players both black and white and does not predominate in any particular race but in genuine getting back to elway Brent. This is just the culmination of centuries of planning. I mean, back in Ireland, during the Middle Ages, the English would take the big white Irish guy and breed him with the big white Irish guy. very interesting, Greek. Very interesting, Greek. So you're taking Washington then? Well, Ben, I couldn't think of a better way to kick off Black History Month. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, so uh, a very different voice, but it's more accurate to the actual guy. But I think that's probably why they have him in this episode, because he's he's uh, Troy McClure for about 15 seconds. But up front, he is smooth Jimmy Apollo, Phil Hartman. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, in that sketch, Kevin Nealon is parodying Brent Musburger, and here it's uh, Harry Shearer doing it. Uh, Brett Gunselman, which oh, is a great uh, yes, name. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's the parody name. Yeah. The Simpsons will be right back. You don't have to wait until Sunday to see the big game. We are live from Super Bowl 26. It's happening Thursday on The Simpsons. Bye-bye, Belt. And everybody's got football fever. It's like there's some kind of bond between us. Don't miss the thrill. The chill. There's one loyal fan wearing nothing but a G-string. And the spectacular halftime show. One, two, three o'clock, four o'clock. Go! It's football fever Thursday on The Simpsons. His kids are buying new clothes. He's eating in the finest restaurant. Hello, I'm Marcus. I'll be your waiter. Hello, I'm Homer. I'll be your customer. Homer Simpson is on a roll. You lucky son of a... What's his secret? Who do you think's gonna win? The Dolphins? Mo. Gotcha, 50 beans on Miami. His daughter yeah. is calling the shots. Each and I have been gambling on pro football. Homer, gambling is illegal. Oh, only in 48 states. The Simpsons, Thursday at 8 on Fox 29. America has football fever. I'm glad some people could resist the big game. Oh, my God, I forgot the game. And the Simpsons are getting in on the action. Presenting the super spectacular Simpsons football special. That's taking this NFL thing way too far, man. Shut up, boy. Hey everybody, welcome to the break. Hope you're feeling some football fever just like we are, especially thanks to our great guest this week, Alex Navarro from Nextlander. Check out all of the awesome stuff he's doing. I always love Alex and all the guys at Nextlander's work on Game of the Year stuff. So please check out all of the cool stuff Alex does and follow him on Twitter. We love having him on. Also, if you enjoy the Talking Simpsons podcast, you should know it's only possible thanks to the support of people at patreon.com slash talking simpsons. Those subscribers are how me and Bob do this as our full-time job, and we couldn't be happier. And for those five bucks a month, those folks don't just get to know they're making us happy, but also they get a ton of exclusives, like monthly episodes of Talking Futurama and Talk King of the Hill, us covering those series one episode a month. We just started season four of Futurama, and we're about to start season three of King of the Hill. And also every week, for the rest of 2022, you will get a new episode of Blabbing About Batman, the animated series, our second season of me and Bob talking about our favorite episodes of Batman, the animated series. Every Friday, you'll get a new one of those, but only if you are a subscriber at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons. So please check it all out for yourself. But if you want a perk as nice as Meryl Streep's versatility, then you should sign up at the premium level at patreon.com slash talking Simpsons because you get access to a monthly bonus podcast in addition to all of the things I just mentioned that you get at the $5 level. That is the What a Cartoon movie podcast. Me and Bob talking about an animated feature film, crazy in depth, once a month often for over four hours, sometimes over six hours in some extreme awesome cases. And this month, you'll get to hear us talk about, for the first time, a Leica film, Paranorman from 2012. The month before that, we talked about the 1980s traumatic toy commercial, Transformers the Movie. And there's a giant back catalog with so many awesome ones, including this year of us covering Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That's the six and a half hour long podcast. Just so much awesome 
awesome stuff there. You can hear over 250 hours of exclusive What A Cartoon Movie podcast in addition to all that $5 stuff if you sign up at that $10 level at patreon.com slash talking simpsons today. But yes, the uh, the episode begins with something I think that got cut off a bunch in syndication, but I love it. Rich Moore and his team were shown the 80s opening to NFL Today, which is like wire work, early, early CGI of a guy running down the field. And they imitate it in two-dimensional animation and have the guy get decapitated and his head flies through the air towards the game. Oh, it's why so we're here. Great. It's what the sport is. Yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid and I'd see my dad watching shows like this, I would watch the CGI opening and then when it's over, it's like, well, now I just got to watch old guys talk. Where'd the, where'd the cartoons go? <laughs> I just have to walk, watch regular head injuries. <laughs> I love Homer in ultimate snacking mode. Everything right next to him. His dead eyes looking forward as he shoves mm -hmm. like he knows where each different heavily salted snack treat is with He's all the vice in this episode i'm really uh, surprised there's not more drinking mm, yeah pretty light on yeah it's so well animated just on a cycle you could just make a gif of that that could cycle endlessly of homer just shoving all the different food in his mouth over and over again uh as as marge gives him a uh, a warning this is when he almost has uh, the heart attack he will have in season four <laughs> but uh, but first let's Let's hear from uh, Smooth Jimmy Apollo. And now with his picks for today's games, the man who's right 52% of the time, Smooth Jimmy Apollo. Thank you, Brett. Our first game today, Denver and New England, is too close to call. Oh. But if you're one of those compulsive types who just has to bet, well, I don't know. Denver. Woohoo, Denver! Yeah! Mo's Tavern, where the peanut bowl is fresh and hourly. Mo, I'd like to bet $20 on Denver. I think I can provide that service. Um, uh, Chief Wiggum, could you hand me that little black book? Oh, sure thing, Mo. I was just using it as a toaster. 20 big ones on Denver. Pleasure doing business with you, HS. All right, Denver. Justify my love. At the end of 13 seconds of play, it's New England 7, Denver nothing. Don't! <laughs> Look, Dad. I made a modest studio apartment for my Malibu Stacy doll. This is a kitchen. This is where she prints her weekly feminist newsletter. Dad, you're not listening to me. Lousy, stupid Denver. Uh, you know, a feminist newsletter now, you replace that with feminist podcast, her weekly feminist podcast. That's mm -hmm. where she'd record it. Can't even be a blogger anymore. <laughs> but so I, I got to say, as a little kid, I felt no tension about watching it. Now, as an adult, watching Homer's ch heart nearly explode, I was like, <laughs> mm -hmm. oh, this worries me more. As a, uh, I see now, this is why the, the middle-aged guys writing this show wrote these jokes. Gratefully on just the blood being forced through, like Ooh. a torrent of blood. It's yeah. like a, a bucket being emptied. <laughs> And this this brought me back because my stepdad did not have a heart attack, but he was a, fo a football gambler because he was part of a gambling ring. Uh, ring makes it sound so <laughs> salacious. A gambling wow. group. At his workplace. <laughs> and every year he would bring home like the big spreadsheet with like where you put all your bets and everything. And he'd be following it as he gambled. It was kind of fun because, you know, it is a thing daddies do to make sports more interesting is gambling. <laughs> it went on for a few years. And then like one year I was like, hey, uh, hey, where's your where's the gambling sheet? And they had to tell me, oh, the guy running it was arrested because oh. it was illegal in 1994 <laughs> to do that. So, yeah. Wow. 
man. So that, I guess someone narked on him. That's sad, boy. It's man. terrible. It's a victimless crime. Yeah, I mean, the only victim's Mo. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I also love Homer's delivery. You're like, a little beer will put out that fire. Like, he doesn't think about it for one second. Oh, and then the joke, again, it doesn't make as much sense now because it's so, uh, the, the joke is that it's very upfront that he's helping people gamble. But I just love, he's like, but I guess if you're one of those compulsive types mm-hmm. who has, has to gamble, like, that's such a fun line well and homer's a late uh, just elation at the idea of you just said a name that's all i need <laughs> you told me who to bet on i'll do it right now yeah <laughs> and wiggum's got his black hair back I, I feel like this is the last time we're seeing wiggum with his black hair i, I think, think so yeah. and it's a rare appearance uh, at least the name of smitty oh right he's uh, written uh, smitty's yeah. name uh, <laughs> last seen in uh smitty safe and up <laughs> in the german uh, episode I like how Homer says 20 big ones when he means $20. Not uh, <laughs> That's the biggest he has to work with. You know, reminded me of like, oh yeah, this episode, Homer basically, which is like, it's not that it's nothing, especially in 1992 money, but he makes maybe like $500 off of this whole thing, I think, in, in total. Lisa is trying to get some attention from uh, Homer, sharing with, uh, I, I just love Lisa's whole world she made for her Malibu Stacy, which like, this is a, a Barbie doll, essentially and she makes a modest studio apartment for her where she uh, prints a feminist newsletter like that's so so mm-hmm. great that that's the vision lisa has for for her malibu stacy i mean her thing with malibu stacy is always imagining her as very much like the avatar for the life she wants for herself and as much as you know the fancy malibu stacy stuff is nice and everything she wants malibu stacy to be the feminist icon that she envisions <laughs> And this is, you know, I mean, this is obviously laying the groundwork for when, you know, Mellow Spacey goes completely in the other direction. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's a nice little character touch. When the friction between her and Malibu Stacy can uh, can take no more, just like mm-hmm. Homer's heart, it finally explodes. <laughs> I also think it's very adorable how Maggie's bathed in the sink in the next shot. It's, it's really cute. Uh, and so Marge wants to help Lisa connect with Homer. Get that a shoebox house. Lisa, you're so clever. Why isn't dad ever interested in anything I do? Well, do you ever take an interest in anything he does? No. Well, we used to have burping contests, but I outgrew it. Hmm. Well, if you want to get closer to him, then maybe you should bridge the gap. I do it all the time. I pretend I'm interested in looking at power tools, going to those silly car chase movies, and some things I'll tell you about when you're older. Do you understand? I think so. Bart! What? Wouldn't it be fun if we watched a game together? Uh, Okay, just don't say anything and sit down over there. Over. 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 (laughs) Lisa, please, I can't hear the announcer. He said Denver just fumbled. Don't! I love Homer's, Homer's like sobbing. He's like one quarter into the game. He's just like, oh, why did he Why? 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 <laughs> so good. But okay. What does Homer like that Marge doesn't like? I wonder. Uh, I'm like, going to assume it's uh, 1992. Mm. A Marge, very religious to the point where she's against gambling. I think anything outside of standard missionary sex. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. And that's all I'll say, really. Uh, I, I would figure oral. I would bet it's an, uh, a joke about oral. That's Brett, my guess. I would say a finger in the bum. Mm, okay. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. But yeah. I don't think Homer and Marge would have, have that kind of imagination. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. Uh, in well, maybe it happened 90s. accidentally once. Who can say? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess you're right 
right, with Marge, 1992 Marge, cowgirl might be a bit much for her. Yeah. Into, yeah. Uh, it, look, we could get looter, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's a very dudes writing a script in the 90s that it's like the moral of the story is women need to like things more than a father or husband likes. Give mm-hmm. them a chance. Yeah, and of course women hate sex. Yes. You all know yeah. that. Also that, yeah. <laughs> that's I much prefer when they write it that Marge loves snuggling. Like she wants to have sex with Homer as much as Homer wants to have sex with her most times. Weird little detail here I will just throw out uh, regarding the game which Homer loses very badly on. I believe the score is 55 to 10 New England Patriots. <laughs> so there's a thing I love about, and this is this is not gambling, this is just a, a, a fun, weird side thing about football these days. John Boyce of the uh, of, of, of SB Nation and, and all that stuff. Uh, I don't remember if he invented it or if he just sort of like popularized this concept. Scoreigami. Uh, the idea is hmm. that there are unique scores in football the way that there are not in other sports because of the way the math works out. And there is a bot on Twitter that tracks whether a score that happens in an NFL game is the first time it's ever happened. Uh, oh. And so there's a weird dedicated subset of people online who are desperate to see scoreigami whenever it happens. And I was curious oh, about this. Had 55 to 10 ever actually happened? And in fact, it had to the Denver Broncos. Whoa. They, they, the first time 55 to 10 ever happened was the 49ers versus the Broncos in January 28th, 1990. Uh, and the Broncos were definitely on the wrong side of that one. Hmm. Wow, man. Boy, I wonder if that's like, it could even be a reference thing because this was written in 91. I bet someone lost the, bad on that game. I, I mean, when you lose on a game like that, you probably don't forget that score. No. Yeah. I, th- I think that's why I didn't connect with football because the points were so weird. Just like, yeah. wait, uh, a touchdown's worth six and then there's like an extra point if you kick it but then if you kick it through the goal independently it's another thing and then there's a two-point conversion for a while what's going they on they still here? have that and then there's also two points if you get sacked in the in your own end zone that the the other team gets two points for that it's a mess it's a whole mess we need a mario party star <laughs> system for football games the only fair scoring system i i wouldn't know any of these rules if i didn't play blitz like nfl blitz in in my high school days that's at, it's how i learned any rules of football and my, and half those rules are not the rules of football no like, you can't in, hit you know. people after the whistle they don't they don't <laughs> encourage that i mean it's fun to do in a game obviously but not to when you know a video game character can't get cte you know yeah <laughs> do you remember that brief period where they brought blitz back and they went all the way in the other direction when they were literally doing mortal Kombat x-ray shots of injuries you were getting yes i i remember seeing lawrence taylor promoting it i think it was too yes. just to get oh, yeah, that is the correct yeah. football player to get to promote that game yeah <sighs> I remember I, I didn't review it, but in, in our uh, in me and Bob's previous life as game reviewers, the guy who was reviewing it at our website, he was like, "Look, here's this is uh, the X-ray move on a testicle rupturing mm-hmm. in, in the game." That like, was the selling yeah. point. Also, when she mentioned silly car chase movies, I could not think of you know in life today, many many a romantic partners had to go to uh, a Fast and the Furious film. I I even made my husband go; he'd never seen a Fast and the Furious before when the John Cena one came out and I was like, come on, we got to see it. John Cena's in this one. <laughs> it did make no sense to him. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard, rough one to go in on if you don't know the deep and textured lore of Fast and Furious, which I'm only half kidding about that. Oh no, it's it's very, it's it's, it's a dense lore of, those, ga- of mm-hmm. those films for sure. So Yardley Smith talks about this a little on the commentary, but she is way more clear about this in The Ringer. 
she did not uh when she first saw that scene uh in the script of homer telling her to move and move and move she thought it was too mean Hmm. she thought it was way way too mean here's what she said in the ringer interview this year it was one of the first times i feel like homer was really not nice to lisa and in that moment she had no recourse no retort i was like this is fucked up it's not okay i really get my hackles up about it she said even to this day uh but she feels it's pretty earned by the end of it at least uh or she still loves the end but yeah they they then on the commentary talk about how like oh yeah you could never write a scene where homer strangles lisa yeah, like that no. would never work i was thinking no. that uh homer is more actively aggressive towards bart but passive aggressive towards lisa where he just tells her well i can't he doesn't say this but he can't strangle her so he's like don't talk and get as far away from me as possible and then we can exist in the same space but that's it like he has a different negative relationship with each child he strangles bard he sort of like actively pushes away at annoyance at lisa and then just forgets maggie exists <laughs> uh, also it's it's very good dad energy of like Ugh, fine like he's just like i guess if you want to sit next to me ugh. though for me as a kid i did not watch football with my dad but i did hate going clothes shopping i was very oh, bad at doing it. my god uh yeah i mean i was raised by women until i was like 10 and uh, i was taken to a lot of clothes stores because babysitters and daycares are expensive so you're coming along for every <laughs> ride sometimes you can stay at home don't tell anyone we let you though mm. but Oftentimes it was like, well, I played under every clothes rack. I've read every tag. What do I do? Which is why I'm so jealous of every kid with an iPad. Yeah. I couldn't just dial up Finger Family or Baby Shark <laughs> or whatever and uh, entertain myself. I had to look for things in a store full yeah. of blouses. Yeah. It was a dark time. Uh, you get dragged around by your mom and did. Yeah. I, I think this captures, this is, you know, in early Simpsons, this is some of their best stuff when they're just like, hey, do you remember when you were a kid and how you hated going clothes shopping? And like, I do, I feel bad, obviously, of being the like, mom can we go kid to my mom who was just she's got to buy you new clothes for school you know that's what that has to happen like and i was getting in the way of it with her i think but yeah uh, also this taught me you could melt toys as a kid too i had never tried to melt a toy before but then i saw bart do i was like oh you you could do that yeah my friends were more blowing up toys types so it was a lot of firecrackers and gi joes less melting of army men well you see in our i i was more of a toy boy as as we've said many times on this show like that's why army men you could melt and destroy but like i liked even the crappiest gi joe i would not want to blow him up because then i couldn't play with him anymore that sure was, that was the downside but yes marge uh, decides she's gonna hang out with bart all day since lisa's hanging out with homer which this is one of those rare b plots that is entirely contained to one act and is not called back upon at all the rest of the whole episode i like it because otherwise it would be too claustrophobic this entire act is just homer watching tv and they kind of need uh some fresh air basically (laughs) in this in this first act homer learns the uh the as is surprised to learn that if somebody's right 52 percent of the time they're wrong 48 percent that's when homer is given some options on what to bet on next and first he is shown the lock of the week which i love and then the shoe of the week the shoe in as well which are both great arguments just i feel like i have i've put that logic on mulling over things before in my life too it's a pretty big lock like just totally meaningless but though smooth jimmy is right miami does win he tells him he tells him to pick miami it's what lisa picks too and he's right keeps it nice and even yeah and this frank joke i do like it but i feel like a year later the machine would fall over and crush him i'm surprised it doesn't now (laughs) i think the only joke is how long they 
they stay on him hitting it like homer changes the channel the cameraman doesn't cut away like just for seconds on seconds on on national television frank is kicking a machine on tv <laughs> but uh, yes then we get another reference to another guy who uh, his fall from grace was different from uh jimmy the greeks but we get a little reference to pete rose you want some of this don't you yeah well you need to know the winners and i know the winners so call me now whoa $5 for the first minute, $2 for each additional minute. You have reached <laughs> the coach's hot line. Line. Yeah, lay it on me, coach. In the game of my MA mm -hmm. versus Sin Cincinnati. Sin Cincinnati. Not Cincinnati. Come on, come on. Don't you realize this is costing me money? We must consider <laughs> many. The wind, oh, not the wind, is blowing out of the west. Oh, at five miles per hour. Not. Oh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> what am I supposed to do, Lisa? Who do you think's gonna win, the Bengals or the Dolphins? I don't know, the Dolphins. Good, good. Uh, that's one of, like the funniest moments in the whole series. There, just Thomas yeah. saying Cincinnati, Cincinnati, Cincinnati. I mean, it's obvious, but the team playing is Cincinnati because it takes him the longest to say. So yeah. that, I think that was decided after they wrote that joke. Like, oh, well, let's make it Cincinnati. It takes forever to say. What has the most syllables? Yeah. Well, you know, also that's where Pete Rhodes's Reds are from too. So it yeah uh, fits there. But I I just love the way it's drawn to be Pete Rose or a guy in in a Reds outfit. Anyway, it doesn't really look like I, Pete Rose. I but. thought the uh, performance and the drawing looked like Tommy Lasorda. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, because he was a pitch man for a lot of things uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, including Ultra Slim Fast. Right, right, yes. Yeah. And Sega Genesis. Yeah. 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 And there was a critic joke about him. Uh, now they call me Stinky. Yeah, that's... Uh, but this is also pulled from real life. This is from the Ringer piece as well. George Meyer said, the slow-talking run was inspired by an actual shady tip line that Sam Simon called. Sam was an alchemist who could turn real life frustration into comedy gold hmm. so that's he he actually suffered through that i one of my favorite things this time watching it was seeing what a great joke it was that we have this slow thing he says everything as slow as possible when homer thinks he's gonna say miles per hour which the joke would be he'd say miles per uh -huh. hour he instead says knots the faster <laughs> way to say something which but more confusing and homer's yes. more frustrated that he couldn't guess the right word <laughs> yes yeah that's just and also just is like, don't you know this is costing me money? Like, what a great stupid thing. God, we all at some point in our lives probably called at least one 900 number, whether for help or for, you know, various other reasons, I assume. <laughs> yes, and just going like, come on, speed it up. This costs me money. You know, the Nintendo helpline people, they weren't drawing it out like that. Yeah, because they, they were all free. That's, uh, yeah, I've, uh, you've seen the footage of the, those people back then. That they mm -hmm. Yeah. The list there. They would talk to lonely, fatherless children like me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tell you how to beat Ganon. Homer calls in his bet. Then we also see that though mo is taking small bets from homer he's taking hundreds or even thousands of dollars of bets from Krusty and mel uh, somehow with, mel's a more generous gambler yeah i guess he's more he's more of a degenerate even though. i i wasn't sure if that was Krusty deciding to make him bet 2000 instead of 200 or if that was uh, actually mel is the biggest degenerate gambler of all well, you know what this time i caught it mel squeaks his horn twice which is his sign of like that means two bet too large on this one you know what this is the big difference time makes but in a couple seasons few seasons after this in season six Krusty would be doing his gambling entirely with fat tony mm -hmm. right yeah uh, it, it got that big but 
they hadn't figured that fat tony would be a regular in the series uh, at this point also i think they have mel do the horn honks because this is right before they decided he's gonna talk now like he's uh he does say something in radio bart he sings in the in the radio bart song but uh he hasn't actually said a line yet uh other than that so we don't fully know about his shakespearean juilliard training or anything yeah i believe we're gonna hear that in black widower Mm -hmm. okay yeah all i can be is myself so yes, uh, I recently went mattress shopping uh, and had Bart's kind of thing too, like, whatever, Th- this one. Yes, I picked it. Can we go now? <laughs> Though I actually agree with Marge's taste in these clothes. I think I, I would, not the bow tie, wouldn't no, wear that, but absolutely I, I like the shirts. Honestly. Never trust anyone in a bow tie, ever. <laughs> they bring evil yeah uh bark could easily learn like he could become a hipster with these clothes in like five or six years he's ahead of the curve he's like got this cabana gear almost You're right ready yeah. to go but yeah. he's 10 years old he's not ready for that <laughs> he he's not ready to make the debut of this in uh in will in williamsburg so uh this is where another another fun line here now bart i think you'd look very sharp in this shirt fine get it let's go no 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 you have to try it on Ooh, and this one's 50% off. You know why these clothes are on sale, Mom? Because the people who wear them get beaten up. Well, anyone who beats you up for wearing a shirt isn't your friend. Ooh, this looks good. Oh, and this one is very, very cute. And these, oh, look, little bow ties. And don't make that face at me. How'd you know? (laughs) Uh, A great gag of, like, your mom always knows. You know you're making the face behind it. She always knows, and as well-meaning as she is, she will say things to you like, anyone who would beat you up over a shirt is not your friend, as if that is not the most staggeringly obvious thing to a child. (laughs) Yes. Marge thinks that it's like, oh, well, you shouldn't be friends with those people if you're beating up. Like, yeah, no, that's... That's not (laughs) the problem. Yes. Yeah. Apparently, Kogan and Waldarski said that that some folks didn't get that joke, and that Matt Groening helped them get it in the episode. It is a great line. I'm glad. I'm glad they got it in there. Bart, uh, while he's in hell, Homer and Lisa are having a great time here, and this is when Homer explains why people love gambling. Touchdown, Dolphins! All right, Dolphins! All right, Dolphins! Woohoo! Woohoo! Fifty big ones! Fifty big ones! Uh oh. Uh, you see, Lisa, Daddy's friend Mo promised to give him $50 if the Dolphins won the game. You mean you made a bet? Well, I wouldn't call it a bet. It's a little thing Daddy's do to make football more exciting. What could be more exciting than the savage ballet that is pro football? Well, you know, you like ice cream, don't you? Uh-huh. And don't you like ice cream better when it's covered with hot fudge and mounds of whipped cream and chopped nuts and all those crumbled up cookie things they mash up? Mmm, crumbled up cookie things. So gambling makes a good thing even better. That's right! My God, it's like there's some kind of bond between us. Homer cannot understand, They're like, wow, a bond with my daughter. This is insane. I don't you know, understand this. This did seem insidious in 92. We've been talking about it, though, and I think kids are trained from a young age with all the gotcha games. Yeah. Uh, G-A-T-C-H-A, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the games where you uh, do pulls every day to get, like, the random JPEGs of Spider-Man, perhaps, or hey. <laughs> uh, an anime girl in a bikini, yeah. those kind of things. Uh, hey, that JPEG of Spider-Man plays, uh, he's, a, he's a great card to play, Bob. He's, he's got uh, a shiny he has, logo now. 
Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I think kids uh, are more set up for gambling than ever these days. Yeah. I when think we so. were kids, uh, video games had a ton of gambling in them, especially ones from Japan, where it's like, oh, you're between levels. Play the slot machine, and we thought nothing of it. And it's just like I learned about gambling from playing like Vegas Stakes for the Super Nintendo, <laughs> right? Or, uh, or most Mario games had, uh, or a few Mario games yeah. had that. Yeah. Ex- Yoshi's Island, I forgot had a scratch and win segment to yes. it. Yeah. There was literally a Caesar's Palace game wasn't there for the super nintendo yeah i think i rented it my favorite and still to this day every time there's a new dragon quest i'm like all right where's the casino like let's mm-hmm. get into this though also i just beat uh, yakuza zero and that has the um the hobo casino in it which also is great uh though half the game's like look I, I'm sure Mahjong is a great game. I don't know how to play it. I, I can't. I, I, I have can't played play most of those games. I have never tried to learn Mahjong. I can't do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or Koi Koi or uh, all the, they, they seem like fun games, but they're just uh, they're very complicated uh, for a first timer. It is a little insidious how uh, as well, how Homer explains. It's like, oh, it's like ice cream, but it makes it better. That's all. It's not an addiction. <laughs> it's uh, It just makes a fun thing even better. Yeah. It's like fudge and cookie crumbles and sprinkles and all these other things on top of the thing. Uh, it's very ADR. I love Homer's like mm, crumbled up cookie things. <laughs> That's a good one. Also, how Homer just spills all his beer right <laughs> yeah. when he does it. He's just so excited. Like he never gets to win. Very cruel line uh, that Homer thinks is sweet is, uh, my God, it's like there's some kind of bond between us. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, it, it's, it's something he couldn't even uh, fathom. <laughs> then we get a quick cut to uh, Bart trying on some clothes. I had to say, we need to investigate. We Monsoor and the people who run that place. Yeah, it's why it only made one other appearance in yeah. uh, season eight. It shut down those cameras in children's dressing rooms. Like, ew, yeah, but that's the joke. That yes. It is gross. And Bart tells them to get bent. And also, they must have, like, shot that girl, too. Those those are shotguns are ready to go. For her, for her socks, she didn't come in with. Uh, and, uh, so, yes. Uh, and then Marge, in a very mom way, doesn't realize she humiliates Bart by uh, showing showing everybody his underwear and she needs to get new ones for him. It's, it's, a, it's a cute little joke. Then, again, another of my all-time favorite drawings of the episode. I don't know why. Uh, Homer and Lisa counting down the thing to together the way like lisa is i don't know they have like these kind of like goofy grins on their face like Mm -hmm. it's such a funny drawing of them counting down together i can't can't fully explain it but i love it again it's just people on a couch they need to try to make it interesting so i think they're going extra hard (laughs) with the poses in this episode Mm -hmm. you know uh i'm kind of grossed out seeing homer homer telling lisa to keep something a secret from marge like i don't know parent i I, uh, lisa likes being in on the secret i do love homer saying like you'd think that wouldn't you Mm -hmm. you know she's got a crazy she doesn't get it man yeah not like me and you it's great to gamble see you're seeing all the wins it's awesome and also i i do love their little shared laugh at getting one over on marge she's like oh what's so funny nothing (laughs) and this is where the the bart b plot ends very humorously of bart bart in his little bow tie and cute outfit uh be modeling his clothes for his friends as they're they're threatening to beat the shit out of him. They're going to kill that boy. They're going to kill him. Yes. Yeah. Marge again uh, doesn't understand this. So we come back from the commercial break. Homer's uh, tucking Lisa in. He says they're going to do it again next week. And uh, you see, you'll find it gets rid of the pleasant, the unpleasant aftertaste of church. I think also it's very, it's kind of Homer's scary love that Lisa reveals that him being nice is actually worse than being mean because he <laughs> nearly kills her or definitely hurts her by tucking her in too much. 
Yeah, it's his patented uh, half-assed overparenting. Yeah, yes. cutting off the blood. That's scary. <laughs> Marge also, you know, says, "Oh, see, I told you it would work, but uh, Marge is going to learn it can work a little too well." Uh, so then we come back to uh, the next uh, Sunday morning. Uh, I guess does Lisa give him picks during the rest of the week? Like, you know, this wasn't when third. I don't think in the '90s there was Thursday night football, but definitely Monday night football was around then. Monday night football was around. Uh, yeah. So the the dark thing about the NFL these days is that they are finding ways to sprinkle it into the rest of the week. When college football ends, they start airing games on Saturdays now and then there's Thursday night football every week which now belongs to Amazon uh, mm, but yes right. back then it was all Sunday and then the one Monday night game oh okay and, uh, well so I guess for the Monday night game he just asked for Lisa's pick on Sunday like oh what should I bet on there too but uh, I like Lisa using psychology to guess that the guy is bluffing uh, though I noticed the guy has the little pointy shark teeth which is a, that is a no-no in the style guide <laughs> for Simpsons I also like it's Homer once again believing in information presented to him because the guy's just saying these platitudes like we came to win today and he's like yeah he's gonna win did you hear him he uh -huh. said he's gonna win he wouldn't lie to me <laughs> but yeah that Lisa instantly sees through him like he's a little boy lost in a world of men <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she bets her whole college fund on it which is 23 bucks and then he asks her for the next three picks and so uh alex was this the predominant feeling at the time that the 49ers were uh, had pure hearts that the seahawks had something to prove and that the raiders always cheated uh the last one definitely if not cheated at very least the whole raiders organization was definitely a little on the uh cd side uh al davis who was the then owner is one of the most notorious owners in all of nfl history because he is a completely capricious weirdo who would demand that his coaches draft weird people and he had like complete creative control over like who came onto the team and stuff and his son it now runs it in now that they're in vegas and he is continuing that tradition not by being as weird and scummy but by having the maybe the single dumbest haircut anywhere that any rich person has ever had um <laughs> yes the seahawks back then were bad if i remember correctly so they definitely had something to prove the 49ers mm, i'll say that joe montana pretty squeaky clean as as quarterbacks went so that's, that's not too far off okay all right that's it's uh and we hear from the commentators even saying after a suspect play the raiders win mm -hmm. uh which what if this is night well the 91 season were they in LA then or were the Raiders back in Oakland? I, I can't think recall. they were still in LA until around 94, 93 or 94, I, somewhere around there. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, I think they were still in LA at this point. Now I just get sad going by the, on the trip. I fly out of Oakland and back and forth a lot these days. And man, every time on the road to the airport in Oakland, you drive by the empty Raiders stadium now and it's just sad. And right next to the Oracle arena, which is also just empty now, like no teams. It's a, it's a bummer if they lose the a's it's like god man, I, just I blow it up yeah i don't know if they'll lose the a's i feel like that's the one they might be able to kind of keep their their grip on but yeah like the raiders thing is just sad because i mean if you want to talk about the way that gambling has now permeated pro professional sports the idea of a team being in Las Vegas, period, was like an absolute no-no for decades. Like, no matter how big the city got, no matter how much money there was to be made there, like, leagues just wouldn't touch it because they were too scared that their players would just, you know, like, gamble on their own games and all that kind of shit. And now it's just like they built a billion-dollar stadium in Vegas, and now there is both an NHL team and an NFL team. 
and other leagues will probably bring teams there at some point. And, you know, before 20 years ago, it was only the XFL that put the team in there. They were the only ones brave enough. (laughs) But, yeah, so Lisa gets three for three. They win again. This time, I think uh, you hear it on the commentary. LG notes that, like, boy, we don't show the TV at all on this. Like, they cut in future footage of the two commentators saying, really only made it for Act 3, but they have... They have a quick cut to the NFL Today parody characters say, uh, mentioning that the Raiders win just to just to show you something that's on the TV <laughs> instead of just like you said, Bob, now I am feeling claustrophobic thinking of these scenes like it's just always them in front of the TV just over and over again, which it's, it's the ultimate Al Gene and Mike Reese episode of television where it's characters doing nothing but watching television. That's right. They love it. <laughs> Then Lisa decides she's going to be an extra nerd about this and goes to the library. I love, first off, that there's the crusty give a hoot, read a book in the background from season one. I, I love seeing that. Uh, and also that, you know, uh, it's the hit place to be. It brought in one extra person called making it a madhouse at the library. And uh, this is when Lisa goes through the card catalog. They really like these card catalog jokes for a few for a few episodes. I mean, the, the clock was ticking because I think by the mid 90s, we just had a computer system to look yeah. up books in my, yeah. in my school. <laughs> but Lisa reading things like Homer eroticism in oddball Canadian rules. Again, their attack on the Rouges. They already did the jokes about that earlier in the season. And uh, it's a weird uh, joke to end with, but Phyllis George in football. Uh, yeah. It's not the funniest thing to end with, but this is, I think this is the first time I'm like, who is Phyllis George? And she was, uh, she did work for the NFL today. She was one of the first female sports broadcasters hired in the mid seventies. And she was the former wife of Robert Evans. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Yeah, one of them. Yeah, I saw that he went from she went from Robert Evans to the owner of Kentucky Fried Chicken, who would then become a governor, and and of course, you know, Miss a, a former Miss America as well, and and also a journalist. Yeah, but Phyllis George, she was, you know, I mean, back in the like late seventies, early eighties, being the woman on NFL Today, like you probably probably got a lot of judgments at that time. I would guess. I would think from, so. Yeah, I mean, football. Yeah. I think even more so than other American sports was definitely the most misogynistic as far as like whether women belonged anywhere near it during that era but these days it's like there are women referees there are women coaches on the sidelines and not just on the broadcasting side of things so yes uh, Lisa's studying pays off though in the next scene Uh, they've won again it's the next Sunday and uh, you know despite this being the football season they do not draw it at any time like a winter happened uh it's this is not a winter or christmasy episode of the simpsons yeah bart's playing outside in his short pants and a t-shirt uh, yeah. no one's wearing jackets anywhere it is an unseasonably warm super bowl sunday <laughs> and this is before climate change has affected our winters as much now yeah so yes uh lisa wins big again and this is when homer officially christens their new tradition what a finish the final score Atlanta 17 Houston 13 and the lowly Falcons are flying high who what a thunk it my daughter that's who yeah me Lisa you pick the winner every time you must have some kind of special gift come on dad doesn't take a genius to realize that Houston's failed to cover their last 10 outings on away turf the week after scoring more than three touchdowns in a conference game Ooh, my little girl says the cutest things you know dad Sunday is fast becoming my favorite day of the Week. Not Sunday, Daddy Daughter Day. The usual mo, a beer, and a lot of bills. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you lucky moron. 
Here you go, Omar. $135. I used to hate the smell of your sweaty feet. Now it's the smell of victory. Ah, oh, shut up. <laughs> Moe has nothing clever to say. He's just like, hey, yeah. just shut up. Like, enough of these funny, ear cute sayings. He's wearing his famous cowboy boots from his snake handling days, <laughs> oh, I think. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, that Homer is collecting money, but again, the wa- the money he's getting is like, like you said, 120 bucks in, in another one. Is it real quick? Who's the who's the sportscaster voice? Is that Harry Shearer? Because th- he does that. I feel like that voice is in a lot of any sports related episode. It is a very good sportscaster voice. Oh yeah, yeah. He he does such a great job. Oh, doctor. Like, yeah, uh, it's him doing Vince Scully, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. called out in the Gabo song. <laughs> That's right. I can even do Vince Scully. No, he's uh, he's so great. Uh, if, if Harry Shearer was a, a very very rich comedy uh, guy he could he could definitely call games I absolutely think. i also love the the direction of or the next scene begins with the noise of homer slamming open moe's door like just like bam from the sweet <laughs> moment to the door slamming open in a dank bar because <laughs> that is really all it means to homer like it it isn't about spending i mean the moral of the story is homer homer learns that he should have loved lisa but it is all about gambling to him he just wants money and and to succeed i could love my children or I could have $135. <laughs> that's that's worth more. Yeah, yeah your kids will always love you. But I, I'll give it to Homer that when he gets all this money, he spreads it around, you know? Mm-hmm. Like he he could have just spent it all on uh, on frosty chocolate milkshakes for himself, but instead he wants to show it off, taking the family to the Gilded Truffle. I also like that Marge, Marge is correct. A better way to spend that money would have been to get rid of the termites. In it, if he wins more than $25, he will spend it on other people. When he won the money, or sorry, when he sold his stock in the German episode, he just bought a nice beer. Yes. That's basically <laughs> it. You know, that's that's not the selfish Homer you always assume, but yes, it's a really sweet scene at the Guild of Truffle. I love that Homer has a lame dad joke and everybody laughs at it. Like, it's so great. Uh, and then also that Bart asks for the freshest bottle of wine mm-hmm. and that the waiter just has to go like, eh, wonderful. <laughs> like, he just, he you have to take it because they're, they're paying. <laughs> Never heard that one before. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh, and uh, this is when Lisa also gets to request her favorite song a as far as i can tell completely made up jazz song not a real song the only results for it on google are references to this episode the broken neck blues yeah the joke is so subtle you don't realize it's a joke where a blue song will be like i've got the stone in my shoe blues or whatever yes. some minor problem but my neck has been broken i've got the blues <laughs> yes, yeah. it just sounds like a real blues song <laughs> and it's football appropriate yeah 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 the God. cte blues mm-hmm. God. you know again in pro wrestling lately i've had to see a few necks uh bend in the wrong way a couple times they've just made me like Ugh, i mean God. if you've ever and seen a koto ibushi match absolutely god that was a bad one yeah no and i just saw the ricky starks clip recently again and i was like god damn how did that guy walk after that he's the guy's fine now everybody yes. but he did break his neck listen uh, you should watch anime the fights are better and only animators are hurt <laughs> uh their and their uh, their injuries are off screen yeah it's all in the wrist <laughs> By the time the next scene starts, we get to see guys getting, uh, we see a man freezing to death with body paint, which as Instagram has taught us now, body paint technology has improved. It breathes better, you know, don't <laughs> use acrylic paint. I think this guy's just using house paint. Yeah. And apparently yeah. Uh, Kogan and Walidarski said this is based on a sketch they wrote for Tracy Allman, <laughs> which, which they, I haven't seen. They said that Martin Short played the guy, which that'd be extra funny to see Martin Short uh, basically in a G-string God. And, and with his body painted. The body paint people are still out there. They still do that stuff. It's more face paint than body paint, but you definitely still see the occasional like weird person at like a December Packers game with 
with like no shirt on and like the team colors on and it's always really nightmarish to see man the uh you know the the body paint i was just thinking of because multiple popular recording artists dressed as marge simpson this year oh, with full blue Christ. body paint yes yeah. uh, i believe it was lizzo and uh man i want to say megan the stallion but I, I might be wrong i know lizzo did it well meanwhile i saw kim kardashian she did mystique but she wore a bodysuit it wasn't even body paint you know there was like uh, a little paint in a- there but not much yeah now if you're a billionaire you should have the same level of of mystique outfit that rebecca romaine had in the movie oh yeah like, at the very least. i mean diddy yeah. sprang for what looks like the actual joker costume like you know like keep pace <laughs> that's right <laughs> i forgot diddy was the joker that's right yeah <laughs> so but yes everybody's having a good time uh we cut to the next day the next weekend homer is just laying back on the couch even letting lisa make like make the calls and make the bets with mo and mo just takes them from lisa like he doesn't even go like it's also funny that he recognizes lisa's voice even though he never recognizes bart's voice that's also yeah, good and he drops the confidentiality instead of saying hello ls yeah, he's just, <laughs> is ls like just give me the bet lisa because he knows this is just he's gonna lose and it's it's driving him crazy the next day homer uh is at the bar uh bragging about it this is when barney asks if they wants to ha- they want to hang out on sunday that's super bowl sunday homer then makes plans for the next sunday which barney says well his mom's gonna be in town from norway but okay which is great like i love that that barney barney's mom lives in norway for some reason uh and <laughs> that's really norwegian name <laughs> well we do know later this obviously was not in the joke they're making here but we do know later she is a member of the navy yeah right. she only comes back into town for war games okay <laughs> Uh, Wait, does she come back into town when uh, Barney is like telling Big Baby sent you and his diaper blows off and he goes, hi, mom. She was around the yeah. corner when he was nude. Yeah, that's true. So she was in town for that, at least. But not yeah. seen on screen until season eight, where it's like Barney in a wig, basically. Yes, yeah. <laughs> You'll never get his attention that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but yes, you see Homer make plans for the next Sunday, an important moment. Then we get a quick visit to show and tell. Mo. This is LS calling for HS. Just give me the bed, Lisa. 110, 120, you lucky son of a... Hey, homie, you want to go bowling next Sunday? Barney, are you nuts? That's the Super Bowl. How about the Sunday after that? Wow, my mom's coming in from Norway, but uh, what the hell? And when the doctor said I didn't have worms anymore, that was the happiest day of my life. Thank you, Ralph. Very graphic. Lisa Simpson, would you like to read your essay? <clears throat> The happiest day of my life was three Sundays ago. I was sitting on my daddy's knee when the Saints, who were four-and-a-half-point favorites but only up by three, kicked a meaningless field goal at the last second to cover the spread. Dear God. (laughs) A fair response. Again, all those words meaningless to me uh, until I guess Uncut Gems makes a little more sense of it after watching that. But basketball bets are different from football bets. They are. But I also still don't understand how point spreads work. And no matter how many times I try to read up on it, I still don't get it. My eyes just glazed over when I tried to do research on it, even this time. Someone in the comments will describe it very well. And then we'll read the comments on uh, Talk to the Audience this month. Yeah. So it's a a perfect system. It's up to you. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yes, 
we're getting close to the standardized version of Ra Ralph here. Like Ralph is kind of the stupid idiot. We we know he's the he's weird definitely kid. telling graphic stories about worms uh, that probably disgust the audience. Uh, oh, and also Miss Hoover still has her blue hair. She's uh, not uh, not yet. I, I feel like in just a few episodes that blue hair is gone. I'll miss it. <laughs> it's a season one blue hair. That's the though. Really, she's a season two debuter. So. She gave it to Wiggum. <laughs> uh and uh, so uh yeah the the my god reaction is also quite funny so yes homer is spreading around the wealth again we don't I, i'm saying that we know this happens between this episode happens over the course of probably october to january yes so perhaps these gifts are related to christmas this mm. is homer's like big christmas gifts to everybody marge is gifted a, a fragrance meryl streep's versatility uh which she has never done a professional fragrance yet she had recently at the time done an american express ad which people were like oh really that's selling out isn't it and she she defended it like mm. uh, oh, me and my family use american express what do you they which, nobody apologizes <laughs> for that stuff now they like this joke so much it comes up again in a streetcar named marge where oh, right. uh the pageant is brought to you by that and the the tagline is smell like streep for cheap <laughs> it's also such a friendly joke about meryl streep like the joke is she wins a lot of awards yep. she's still the most yeah. nominated uh, best actress lady out there and uh, i think we were all making calvin klein's obsession jokes around this time because uh, there'll be one in next season where the fancy braces uh emit calvin klein's obsession for teeth Right. I feel like this was the era when the extremely haughty and expensive looking perfume ad really took hold on TV. Like it was right in that late 80s, early 90s era where like they started getting weird French directors to do these completely unbearable ads for these fragrances that had weird celebrities in them. Yeah, I think Homer's original Mr. Plow ad was a Calvin Klein uh, parody ad. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, it, uh, and speaking of SNL parodies, the one they did for with... Hartman and I believe Jan Hooks of Obsession, but it's about a cleaning supply that she can't stop using. <laughs> uh, that uh, I think also was a great parody of that type. But yeah, that's, Jim Brooks wants to work with Meryl Streep. He's not going to be too mean about her, which I mean, what is there to be mean about? It, uh, even 30 years later, it's like, it seems she's just like a really great actress who everybody likes who works with her. She is like, as like, she'll be on the show in three years she's as, as uh, Jessica Lovejoy. That's yeah. right. Yeah, oh. she's like as blandly beloved a major actress as I feel like there is in the world and also when you see her and stuff you're like yeah no she she should be nominated for this she's very good at she's this she's a really great actress meanwhile maggie is gifted a stuffed elephant but she prefers the bubble wrap bart is gifted a gag gift which is so great because he says he never tires of it. it's one of those things you see at spencer's gifts and you think to yourself who could ever enjoy this this much and but bart does he really does i, I think gene and reese got a big kick out of this device because it comes up in the critic where duke philip wants to base a sitcom <laughs> around that device it's right. like i think I, I think i'm calling it your smell or something like that <laughs> right yes yeah god i just love it kiss my butt kiss my butt god so funny uh and just bart pressing it over and over again and lisa meanwhile has been gifted every single thing in the malibu stacy toy line but marge has questions oh dad you must have bought me every malibu stacy accessory there is not quite they were out of malibu stacy lunar rovers Perfume. Meryl Streep's versatility. Boy, I know you're gonna like your present. Shut up, shut up. Kiss my butt. Shut up. Go to hell. Go to hell. Dad, I promise you I will never get tired of this. Homer, those were very thoughtful presents, but you have to tell me where you got the money from. 
All right, Marge, I'll tell you. But first, you have to promise you will not get mad. I promise I will get mad, because I always do when you make me promise I won't. All right, if you must know, Lisa and I have been gambling on pro football. Oh, Marge! You promised you wouldn't get mad! I did not! I promised I would get mad! That's a great line. Yeah. It's like, I promise I will get mad, because I always do when you make me promise I won't. That's that's a great line. The next time you're in a in an argument with a loved one, and they say, like, oh, promise me you won't get mad, you... Give him one of those. You got to tell him that. And they talk about uh, the legality of gambling, of course. We brought that up earlier in the episode. And uh, there's a Wikipedia page called Gambling in the United States, which tells you which kinds of gambling are legal in which states. And there are seven different kinds of betting. There's uh, charitable betting, uh, paramutual, lotteries, commercial, tribal, racetrack, online, and sports betting. There is only one state in which all forms of gambling are legal. You could probably guess which one that is. Utah? Yes. Yeah, I knew you it. got it. <laughs> I knew it. I didn't look this up. Uh, that's uh, See, I feel like I won the lottery right there. And also Hawaii for some reason. Sorry, I just spotted that. Oh, huh. Yeah. Well, that makes less sense to me. Yeah, you know, this uh, This was in that Forbes article. They said that in 1992 on Super Bowl 26 in Nevada, $50 million was legally bet on the Super Bowl then. Now, or in for Super Bowl 55 uh, uh, in 2021, $500 million was legally bet just in Vegas alone on, on the Super Bowl. If you want to do all kinds of gamblings, go to uh, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, or New York. New York? Yes. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's all happening there oh yeah i guess atlantic city that makes sense yeah that's uh i mean i was shocked to find out bob when i visited vancouver uh that that they have casinos there i just never considered canadian casinos as like a thing you know <laughs> honestly i'm uh, i'm worried that i'm gonna be visiting you more often in the future in vancouver and i'll uh, it'll be hard to pass up the just getting a little action in at the, at the Le- tables you know even with healthcare, canadians love ruining their lives too so don't you worry about that <laughs> they're not so different from us part of the human condition uh so yeah homer though convinces marge that uh the only the only victim is mo and that everything could be fine and then in a perfect perfect uh line to say at the as act two is reaching its end nothing will be nothing could possibly go wrong but gambling is illegal oh only in 48 states besides it's a victimless crime the only victim is Mo, <laughs> and it's brought Lisa and me together. I just don't know. Look, what's the problem? The kids are happy. You smell like Meryl Streep, and I got that foot massager I've always wanted. Believe me, Marge, nothing bad could possibly come of this. You know, Dad, we've been watching a lot of TV lately. Maybe the Sunday after the Super Bowl, we could hike up to the top of Mount Springfield. The fires in the tire yards really make for some beautiful sunsets. Well, that sounds great, honey, but next Sunday I'm going bowling with Barney. What about Daddy-Daughter Day? Don't worry, the new football season is only seven months away. So that's it. You just wanted me to help you gamble. You never wanted to be with me at all. (laughs) You're a very selfish man. Once again, great present, Dad. That's so great because at first you could think that the go to hell is Bart saying his displeasure at Homer, but it actually is him complimenting Homer on his great gift. Like he <laughs> he's not turned on Homer. Bart doesn't care if Bart if Homer's a bad father. He just wants good gifts. Yeah, he's got the keychain. Yeah, <laughs> and it, again, it's Homer really underestimating Lisa's intelligence because he thinks he can just you know euphemistically get rid of Daddy Daughter Day, but immediately she knows why. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, he's like, uh, you know, the football season will be next time. Like he he just figures like, well, yeah, I'm not gonna hang out with you if it wasn't for gambling. And then Lisa's right to be 
be incredibly hurt by that and just saw like in a crying very well done by Yardley like he earned that Emmy it's sweet that Lisa I guess misunderstands or has such high hopes for Homer that she figures like well we have such a good time on daddy daughter day that if I suggest a hike to him he'll want to do it like no Homer would never never want to go on a hike ever like do you think the possibility even of the idea of doing stuff on Sundays past football season has even entered Homer's mind at this point <laughs> no he can't really no see way. beyond it yeah. no yeah it- it's also, it's not just that uh, it was all, you know, a sham to, to gamble. It's not reciprocating because in the beginning, Marge is like, well, have you taken an interest in things he likes? And for weeks, Lisa has done that, but she he's not willing to do the same for one weekend. It's like, yeah. no, no, there's no gambling involved. I'm done with you. <laughs> he's uh, he's a bad, Marge is right. He's a very selfish man. Like it's, uh, it's a dark time at the start of Act 3. I, I do also love Homer. Homer says, nothing could possibly go wrong. Instantly, it all falls apart. We have a quick cut to Lisa's bad dream. I love the vision Lisa has for herself of like of her as a mean old gambler if she doesn't correct course. Like she this is the thing she's afraid of. She'll be somebody with at least three former ex-husbands and hawking his jewelry <laughs> for one last taste of the uh the gambling. Like where has Lisa even seen a person like this at this stage of at eight years old? Like <laughs> yeah. where is she seeing these degenerate gambling, like former truck stop waitress? that fucking you know are hawking their wedding rings just to get to the next thing and smoke themselves into a Doris voice <laughs> I'm surprised uh, they didn't have Doris Grau dub her in this oh, scene yeah. that would have been funny uh, uh, <laughs> if Bart had this dark vision it would end with him saying cool that's true mm-hmm. yeah Lisa Lisa has the sense to know this is bad but uh, <laughs> I love every bad future vision of Lisa this and her you know overweight uh, married to Ralph vision she had as well is quite funny she wakes up to start uh, she reflects on all of the things she has wasted or uh, all the things she got with the dirty money the alfa romeo which is an italian luxury car uh collagen injections which it apparently uh i thought they were like new at the time they'd been around since the 70s hmm. apparently uh when I, when I looked up history of collagen injections on google on google i i think it's important for lisa's moral standing as a character that she never keep that i feel like look you got your gifts you won that stuff it's your money lisa like you know honestly homer should be giving you all of the money it's your bets but uh, for Lisa's very strong moral code, it makes sense that she gives away all of the stuff. And uh, again, a tribute to Rich Moore and his team, the stampede of little girls that nearly crush Bart and <laughs> tear apart all of Lisa's things like to get their stuff. That's so funny. Oh, it's great. And they didn't have the word yoink yet, but I feel like they would have put it in when the girl yanks the chinchilla coat off the tiny hanger. When she does it, I'm waiting for the yoink. I forget every time. And it's just like, ooh. I feel like in my brain, I'm I'm inserting a yoink and trying to remember the scene. (laughs) Only makes sense to have a yoink there, you know. But yes, we then have a very uh, funny slash through what people expect from a sitcom. Even in my first viewing as a kid, I thought that this was the... resolution homer's apology to lisa like i mean lisa first tells her like sorry homer but then when homer apologizes you're like oh okay maybe is like you think this is like a regular sitcom and then homer instantly like a piece of shit then tries to trick her into Mm -hmm. telling him who to bet on uh but this is when Lisa gives up on her uh, on her father and makes her final bet. Lisa, honey, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings, but I really had a good time watching football with you. 
And I think you had a good time with me. Yeah, I did. Well, come on. We can still watch a Super Bowl together, can't we? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would like to see what all the fuss is about. It's a day. <laughs> so, do you think the Redskins will beat the spread? Put me down. Look, Dad, I'll tell you who's going to win the Super Bowl if you want me to, but it'll just validate my theory that you cared more about winning money than you did about me. Okay. I think Washington is a mortal lock. Washington! Woohoo! However. However? What however? What do you mean, however? However what? However. I may also be so clouded with rage that subconsciously I want you to lose. In which case, I'd bet the farm on Buffalo. Lisa, do me a favor. Complete this sentence. Daddy should bet all his money on... I don't know. No. If I still love you, Washington. If I don't, Buffalo. So there you have it. And, and yes, he said that's the old name of the Washington Guardians uh, that it took him a very long time to change. The Commanders. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, C Commanders. Yeah. Guardians is the that's the Cleveland, <laughs> Cleveland team. Yeah, the Cleveland yeah, yeah. team. Sorry. One of the other teams that had to change their name because their name was actually kind of racist. So a couple of things just real quick here about the game that is being immortalized here, this Super Bowl. This is the first of three Super Bowls in a row that the Buffalo Bills would go on to lose. This is a dark time to be a Buffalo fan, though they are newly ascendant now. <laughs> this is the last time the Washington quote-unquote Commanders would win the Super Bowl between now, then and now. In fact, in wow. in the last 30 years, they have only had nine winning seasons, and most of those were nine and seven or eight, seven and one seasons. They have been historically bad for a very long time after this, mostly since Dan Snyder took over the team, who is widely considered the worst owner in all of football. Man, wow. That's, uh, I didn't, I, I, at first I was going to say it's like karma getting on them, but I guess it's really just Dan Snyder is horrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a horrible name to begin with, but he really dug in his heels even more so than other teams with like, no, this name is not racist. It's actually good. You don't understand. Also, he he's hated so much that the other NFL owners hate him to the point where they are wow. trying to get him to sell the team. And I think he has actually indicated he finally is going to because he apparently was keeping dirt on a bunch of the other NFL owners and was like using, like threatening to release that uh, if he, anyone ever came after him. And then some of the other owners, like Jim Ursay of the Colts, was like, come at me, bro. I don't care. Release whatever you want. I want you gone. That's how much they hate him. Wow, man. The, the, yeah, the. I mean, if other NFL uh, team owners think you're a bad person, you have to be the worst. Yes. The worst person on earth. The, wor the worst thing you can do as part of an NFL ownership group is fumble the bag. And all he has done throughout his tenure is fumble the bag, not just with making the team bad, but also losing the team money. Losing money as an NFL franchise is exceedingly difficult to do, and he has found ways to do it. Wow. Wow. So racial insensitivity is one thing. Profit margins oh, yeah. a whole other <laughs> problem. Yes, yeah. But, well, you know, there is a lot of history to Lisa's picks here. Uh, Lisa is correct, and she uh, – it's funny. So this is uh, from the Al Jean interview with Forbes. He talks about – and he mentions on the commentary too. He bet against Lisa – and because he thought the buff the bills were due yeah. he's like because the he's like the bills are gonna get there like he he bet against her and the when the washington football team won mm -hmm. so that was 92 in 1993 and 1994 fox decides they will replay this each year 
uh, and that they would, instead of keeping the names from the previous year, they did the really neat thing of updating the two team names every year for the uh, member, the the players on the each year's Super Bowl game, which was also helpful because it was Buffalo every year for the three years. That's so incredible. They, they could keep all the Buffalo lines. And also the limp sick never matched in the first place, right? Yes. Yeah, it was always wrong. I, I mean, when I watched it in the rerun in 93 as a kid and heard the names were different that she said Cowboys, I was like, wait, what? That's not what it was before. They re-recorded all these lines and not just her or Homer, but also Harry Shearer's lines as the commentator get get redone too. And no one's lifting a beer glass up over their face to say the name of the team, <laughs> yes. like in the later Super Bowl episode. Yes. Which that's a great show too. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Al Jean said his reasoning was not just because he wanted to bet against Lisa every year, <laughs> but it was because he thought every year Buffalo was due. He's like, well, yeah, you know, when the team loses one year, but they make it back the next year, they definitely win then and then by the third year he's like okay the bills have got to do it this uh -huh. year like he was sure of that yes it turns out they were the washington generals of this whole uh of the this period of the super bowl you know i also knew this stuff about the bills losing not as a sports fan but as next files fan mm. because there's a really funny joke in the cigarette smoking man origin episode when he finally got set put in charge of the secret black ops group uh one of his commandments was like and the buffalo bills never get to win a super bowl <laughs> i he, the, they made it that he had fixed the games uh with his uh special powers you wonder what the buffalo bills did to him earlier in his life again homer Homer accepting when she says, like, well, I'll tell you, but it'll just validate to me that you cared more about gambling than me. Okay. <laughs> like he just he accepts. It's like, I want to win money, Lisa. <laughs> Give me the... I don't care. If it hurts your feelings, I do not care. Like, what an asshole. <laughs> you know what? I'm with Yardley now. He did, he he were, he were He's too far down. Yeah. He, he can't come back from this. So, yes, they then... Uh, it's, it's the game day. Homer has started his... Uh, he's very depressed about it because he knows that it's really about Lisa's love here. They announced that it's at the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome, which was the site of Super Bowl 26. Mm, okay. And uh, which has not existed since 2014. It got <laughs> demolished. It was one of those, those domes, just like the Tokyo Dome. Actually, apparently the Tokyo Dome was like designed based on it the the metrodome hmm. uh which uh i miss those old 70s domes now the today's domes look too i like the retro future of those old domes arena designs now kind of suck and the thing is it's not that the old arenas were great but there was like a kind of personality to them a little bit you know especially especially if you were a wrestling fan like when they went to the garden <laughs> you know you always like you knew when they were in the garden you know now these days they feel like family fun centers and extremely expensive ones at that and they were named after dead old men not quick in loans yes <laughs> yes <laughs> no yeah i just went to the uh where the 49ers played to see elton john uh last month and and yeah again i was struck by like it doesn't feel very special it just feels like i'm in a mall or something it just it, it feels it's very sleek but yeah. yeah the only way you can tell them apart is by the roof design that seems to be where they throw all the money is like what kind of weird <laughs> roof do we have i i will say that las vegas i've only driven by it but that one in Las Vegas, it certainly looks like a lot of money. Like it looks very expensive. It fits with the Vegas aesthetic of this is expensive, but not that expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first we see that the uh, the Super Bowl is playing all around the world, including in France, where they don't care about it and they'd rather watch Jerry Lewis, which. Uh, as a kid, made no sense to me. It was before Animaniacs made Jerry Lewis a regular character yeah. on the show. 
<laughs> and uh, W. Gimel Aleph Nun in Tel Aviv is a fun joke about the Hebrew alphabet because those are all Hebrew uh, characters in the alphabet. Gimel, Aleph, and Nun. There's no W. Oh, so, that's clever. Yeah. I didn't know that. And I decided to look it up and I was like, why do the French like Jerry Lewis? There's a lot of articles written about it, but essentially in the 60s, the intelligentsia fell in love with Jerry Lewis and they were writing things like, oh, his pratfalls are a window into the human condition. And, and they were taking him way too seriously. But that's why. It's because the intelligentsia fell in love with him and sparked a movement. Man. Yeah. Well, it worked out for him. I mean, French people just love following people falling down. <laughs> yeah. It would be kind of like if Adam Sandler made all his movies in the 90s and then no one cared about him and he was like popular in Uruguay. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I also really love that drawing of Lisa mournfully playing her sax. That's a really good like shot. And Homer can't take it no more. He's got to leave. Uh, we visit Moe's where it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a big brunch for Sunday. This is a runner just for this episode of Moe answering the phone and saying like, Moe's Tavern, blankety blank 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 like he i just love barney's reaction like baloney bread like he just when he sees the bread like bread like god he's uh, wowed by a lot of things including <laughs> a free beer that mo dumps in the sink oh it makes it so sad he's like oh god uh, but but yes homer comes in mo tries to lie and say he's not taking bets but homer doesn't want to take a bet anyway this is when uh mo gives and rescinds his free beer to Barney. I again a great line by Homer. I had the greatest gift of all, a little girl who could pick football and I ruined it. Like he's <laughs> he doesn't care that he had a just his own daughter, but just he he still only cares about the gambling. That's all he cares about. And so then we head to the NFL pre-show, which is uh, the Super Bowl pre-show, which is at two hours and 45 minutes. I mean, Alex, Super Bowl pre-shows are way longer than three hours now, they're right? They're all-day events now. I mean, they're more like even two days. Like, Saturday is a ton of programming, too, from the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. they they Like, you know, if you're on an ESPN or something, they will do nothing but talk about the Super Bowl for at least, you know, that entire week. And then the networks will find ways to slide that. That stuff in wherever they can but the basically from the moment the sun comes up on super bowl sunday to when the game starts there is nothing but guys in suits talking about the various ways in which one team might win the game or you know how this one like this this free safety has a charity thing they found a way to, to <laughs> do an hour on that they are stretching and they just it's I can't watch it anymore. I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> I mean, I, I knew that it must have gotten big because WrestleMania pre-shows, which are just copying the entire programming of, of Super Bowl Sunday, like their pre-shows are three hours of nothing, yes. like not even wrestling. They, they just are like people talking. I, I've been to a few Super Bowl parties in the modern era, like the past 20 years, and the pre-show is so long that people are already hung over before the game starts. <laughs> yep. They've already drank so much that they're hung over before kickoff pretzels have been decimated yeah <laughs> so once again it's the simpsons it's not really them predicting it it's just that predicting something it's that their satire of doing too much of something is eclipsed by reality becoming sillier and then speaking of uh, rip from the headlines we get uh, an appearance by troy mcclure well sir we're two hours and 45 minutes into the pregame show and we've got ourselves a special guest Actor Troy McClure, whose new sitcom is premiering tonight, coincidentally enough, right after the game. Thanks, Brett. My new show is called Handle with Care. I play Jack Handle, a retired cop who shares an apartment with a retired criminal. We're the original odd couple. <laughs> what made you want to do a situation comedy? Well, I fell in love with the script, Brett. And my recent trouble with the IRS sealed the deal. <laughs> great, great, Troy. Oh, looks like we're almost ready for the kickoff. 
Washington kicks. Oh, it's a bad kick. Way too short. Buffalo is going to start with excellent field position. Buffalo's going to win. Lisa hates me. <laughs> what you got riding on this game? My daughter. What a gambler. <laughs> a rare line for Barfly 2. There. Sam, I believe his name is. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, riff from the pages of 1985, because mm -hmm. this is a joke about, I mean, a lot of series aired after the Super Bowl or started. Like Lassie is a big one that mm -hmm. premiered after the Super Bowl or had a big episode after the Super Bowl. I forget how it works. But this is based on uh, Magruder and Loud, <laughs> which is an Aaron Spelling produced show that didn't last. But yes, it's not about a retired cop and a retired criminal. It's about a, a policeman and policewoman couple who have to keep it a secret from their boss. Mm. And yes, they are named Magruder and Loud. Oh, and that's how it works. Terrible. Yeah, it, it, the, the, it's an example of, for the 80s especially, uh, there's there's a great list. Wikipedia just has a list of like everything that aired after the Super Bowl. But uh, especially if you don't live in America, you might not know this. But like the first thing to air after the Super Bowl is a primetime slot for a network. Like especially, I think from the 80s onward, or maybe even in the 70s, that was where each network uh, network didn't get a monopoly on it they basically get a super bowl each year so it's like well this is cbs's year with the super bowl and we've got all of these eyes the most viewers that'll be watching our channel all year the second the super bowl is over we need to pre premiere with something we think is going to be a big big hit and especially in the 80s they would the picks would be things that failed so hard they would be canceled by in best case scenario, April. Yeah. It's sometimes February. And you know, they made fun of these crappy shows during after the Super Bowl, you know, starting or premiering when that would become something that would really anger Macarena because Futurama was meant to premiere after the Super Bowl in 99, but Family Guy got that slot. Yep. Yeah. The new, the new bosses on Fox, they saw Family Guy as the one to get that slot instead of Futurama. Yeah. I, I was looking over the list of losers as well from the 80s. And one other one that reminded me of Handle with Care is uh, one called The Last Precinct, which was a cop comedy. And it starred Adam West, which that also made me think like, oh, that's also mm. A, a, a Troy McClure type there. And there was also one called Hard Copy, which is not that hard copy. It was a newsroom drama. And uh, I think they realized that, no, you don't take a chance on a brand new series you debut a big episode of friends or the simpsons or whatever mm -hmm. you just put or third rock from the sun yeah you you put that after the super bowl though there were a few successes i guess you could call family guy a success so it actually was a yeah. failure. i was gonna uh, say i think history unfortunately has proven those executives correct on that one yeah well you know futurama is, is hanging around but yeah family guy won i have to admit it but three successes of debuts then were a team i guess airwolf airwolf you know it didn't get, it got more than two seasons you yeah know. it counts <laughs> and wonder years those okay. those all also premiered after the super bowl so it's not all losers but it's mostly losers yeah and, and also lassie was deep into its 19 year run when it aired after the first super bowl but it was still the first thing to air after a super bowl was an episode of lassie i love that's so great that that's and, and yes now the simpsons has aired twice after the super bowl with sunday cruddy sunday in season nine and then in uh 2004 no 2005 with homer and ned's hail mary pass and that episode the latter one is one of the most notable ones because it's one of the highest rated ones ever for the simpsons because of its slot i think mm. sunday cruddy sunday is a little bit lower because family guy was the first thing you would see and maybe fewer after that but yeah that homer and Med homer and ned's hail mary pass one of the highest rated simpsons of all time it's also funny because right after it was the premiere 
premiere of American Dad. So them and the Seth oh, MacFarlane yeah. show oh, traded God. places. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. Also another winner. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Still airing on TBS to this day, which I figured would stop because Disney owns it now and they wouldn't want it on a Warner Channel, but... Still going want it back. Well, man, what does Warner even want now? I don't even know. Like they clearly don't know at this point. They just want whatever <laughs> they. I think what they want is more Harry Potter movies. Unfortunately, ooh, <laughs> you know this. Uh, it, it's a real vibe of the of the twenty twenties that executives buy things they don't know what they want. They just they bought them. Yeah, they don't know why they bought them. They just have them. Ah, but all right see i also i love the hosts very dismissive like great great troy hey i see they're about to start the game (laughs) yeah it sounds like Uh, a real winner uh so yes uh the never oh oh and also sorry i love that troy says we're the original odd couple which is like no the the odd couple is the odd couple like how how dare you describe your show as the original odd couple it's a good throwaway line for a show like that (laughs) but then we come to the never tedious halftime show people of earth we've come 10 billion light years to bring you this halftime message of peace one, two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock! Five, six, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, rock! Nine, ten, eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, rock! We're gonna rock around the world tonight! Oh, this sucks. Come on, snipers, where are you? Bye, who's winning? You hate dad is up by a touchdown. <sighs> So, yes, I well, first off, I love Bart's saying of you hate dad is up by a touchdown. Like he, he put and also he wants to see uh, murders happen on screen. Yes. Yeah, so the halftime show back then, a joke like it yes. was it was detested. Uh, Alex, you you recall. I do. This year I was looking this up. The the year of this of this Super Bowl, it was the Winter Magic Salute to the 1992 Winter Olympics featuring Gloria Estefan and Olympic figure skaters Brian Boitano and Dorothy Hamill. It's what football <laughs> fans want to see. Yeah. I wonder, you know, if Brian Boitano was not part of this Super Bowl, would Matt and Trey on uh, South Park have heard of him and then made him a joke in their mm. original Spirit of Christmas? I wonder. That's a good point. It's, it's of note here, this is the last Super Bowl halftime show you could like charitably describe as a joke, because mm. literally the next year is Michael Jackson, and that is the thing that kicked off the era of what if we got big musicians that your dad likes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah it's uh and uh they're running out of those big music well now i i've looked up this year's uh or coming soon in january uh rihanna is uh hmm. it's it, she's a super bowl star though usually there's tons of surprise guests like that's part of the fun of it is you know just like ooh, not just rihanna somebody else should the jack harlow showed up there that's <laughs> mm-hmm. a current guy maroon uh, five uh, uh, actually maroon five is more like Coldplay dude showed up one time okay. like yeah they <laughs> cold play dude uh, like Chris like Martin. last year's go. was the was dre snoop eminem mary j blige and kendrick lamar uh announced and then they also just threw 50 cent and anderson pock in there all right hmm. see this uh man that's what sucks now this shows we're old we know the names of the people they put in the halftime show because yep. we're in our 40s we're that the dads sucks. we're the dads yes. in spirit yeah. at least 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, but this uh, thing with the aliens is actually based on the closing ceremonies of the 1984 Olympics. Mm-hmm. Now, it's on YouTube. You can watch it. It's so long. These things are so tight and slick now, even though it, they're very long and boring, but there's like a point to them. And, you know, occasionally the soon-to-be assassinated president of a country will come out of a pipe <laughs> like Mario, and it's fun. Uh, but in this one, it's about like, okay, all the countries walk by, blah, 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 fireworks. A UFO appears. It takes forever to land. It takes so long to <laughs> land. And then it finally lands. An alien comes out and talks for about 20 seconds. Actually, the announcer talks over him briefly. Yes. There's a major flub there. But do you have uh, a clip of this, Henry? I or? do have a okay. clip of uh, the alien greeting the uh, uh, closing ceremony for the L.A. Olympics of 1984. Limitless possibilities of human achievement. For almost 100 years, you have celebrated the best that humanity has to offer. You call it the Olympic Games. And for that, and for the cities which have kept the Olympic ideal alive, I salute you. And then a bunch of fireworks go off. It was yeah. just the preamble to fireworks, but I just love, I love that they invent like, what if an alien landed and said he loves the Olympics and that it's wonderful, a tribute to humanity. And the UFO is landing and you think that they'll play the ET theme because it's 84. No, they're playing the Close Encounters of the Third Kind theme when the alien is landing. Ah, uh, well, the Olympics is always a, a bunch of years behind on yeah. those things. But yeah, that's it's a reference to that, uh, and it's available to watch online. But we played you yeah. the alien clip. Yeah, it is fu- the commentator right before it is saying like, "That's not a man on stilts. That's a seven foot man in a costume." It's like, well, you're ruining the the mystique here, buddy. That's uh, but yes, it's in 1992. Even listeners heard it because I plugged it in in the commercial break. But the commercials actually were part of making fun of the Super Bowl. They uh, in the halftime show for that advertised this episode of The Simpsons like and we're all sick of the halftime show right and they played the clip from this before uh to promote the episode it was also because that same year in 92 was when fox did their live telecast of in living color during the halftime show as alternative programming which uh, that was a whole thing in the in the 90s at least the alternative programming era especially as wrestling fans me and alex <laughs> know uh, mm-hmm. the super bowl halftime show world title match that happened. oh yes i'm thinking was- of a reference to something we'll talk about soon and that's uh Beavis and Butthead's Butt Bowl. Oh, yes. Also great. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For three years, they would premiere a new cartoon during the halftime show, and I was there. I love the Butt Bowl. Yes, that was also good. But yeah, the Super Bowl halftime show match between The Rock and Mankind uh, was the empty uh, empty arena match they did because it was very tightly edited because it had to be exactly as long as the halftime show. It had to be exactly as long as the halftime show and also uh, it was definitely pre-recorded, I'm I'm pretty sure. So it was all very, it was definitely not like the everything is live presentation. They were kind of trying to give off of everything else. It was, but also it's... It's one of the only one of those matches, like pre-taped and heavily edited, that I feel like was actually good because most of those usually ended up being garbage. You know, the COVID era of wrestling gave us a lot of cinematic matches, but that was one of the first. You know, they didn't have the Thunderdome back there, so it just didn't have the same effect. <laughs> I I also love that one because uh, horrible person Vince McMahon does commentary on it, and he is really good at doing commentary on matches. Uh, a horrible man otherwise, but... Yeah. Now we just know him as the man who falls out of the chair on Twitter. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. He's. Oh God. He's too uh, horny. Yeah. It's, it's his legacy. He does. He is too horny. <laughs> mm-hmm. As we learn, like in Not real life long. too. Yeah. 
Uh, but you know what? This next halftime show, it's also sponsored by Apple Music. I meant to say that too. It's not just, it's like, how many more ads do there need to be in the Super Bowl that the halftime show also has to be have a sponsor? Like, Jesus Christ. But I mean, that's it wouldn't be America's number one sport if it wasn't packed full of every ad you possibly could get into. It. <laughs> no, our entire economy is predicated on advertising things to people. Like, it, if, if the advertising went away, there would be nothing left. <laughs> uh, and so then we get a quick joke about the duff bowl uh which is great duff duff dry beats uh duff regular in it and i love that barney thinks that that was the bet is like okay okay they're both great teams like <sighs> such a great also seeing a beer pouring another beer onto <laughs> tom landry beer is so funny <laughs> uh we gotta talk about the bud bowl though yes because uh started in 89 ran until 97 it was an annual event featuring a series of commercials that ran throughout the super bowl and throughout the series of commercials you would see a bud bowl game being played between two opposing sides of budweiser products bud light versus budweiser uh budweiser typically won over bud light over time, the stop-motion bottles would become CGI, and uh, actually Tom Landry played a beer bottle version of himself Whoa. in the Bud Bowl, which is why he is in this uh, parody of the Bud Bowl, and people would bet on it. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I, I have to assume it went away because the thought could have been, should kids be seeing the beer cartoon throughout uh, the Super Bowl, which is why I liked it. I loved it for yeah. that very reason, yes. I think it also just kind of wore out its welcome at a certain point. Like, people kind of just, you know, I mean, like, the, the the fads of Super Bowl advertising, there are definitely trends that kind of come and go. And in this case, I'm pretty sure that, like, people just got very bored with the bottles, f like, wrestling one another. And then once the Puppy Bowl came around, like, really, what, what, what other alternative programming could anyone possibly need from the Super Bowl? Yes. Isn't yeah. there some uh, Victoria's Secret thing now uh, during the, the Super Bowl, like, halftime show? It was show? the Lingerie Bowl at some point. Okay. I remember that. I do think yeah. that happened. I don't think that was a regular feature. You know, the Bud Bowl, I loved it too as a kid, Bob. I It was it was cartoons on TV. That was why. Like, I don't... Even today, I, uh, I especially wouldn't drink Budweiser. So it didn't work in that regard. Though, I'll tell you how much I loved it. Uh, we went to... On some family vacation, not long after this, we went to a Budweiser bottling plant. And uh, in the merch, uh, in the gift shop at the end, they had <laughs> Bud Bowl hats. Uh, like helmets you could put on an empty beer bottle and so i asked my dad to like buy a budweiser beer bottle and i will put the helmet on it and i'll have that like on my bookshelf at home it's good That's for the kids take yes. the kids to see how beer is made one final fact about it i don't like the metaphorical implications of this at bud bowl six it featured the first appearance by a can of beer in the game uh, so the can scored a touchdown, but was ejected from the Bud Bowl shortly after due to excessive foul language during its celebration. Whoa. Again, wow. That's very loaded. This. Uh, wow. I don't care for the metaphorical implications. I didn't yeah. put them on there, but I'm just reading them in this. Uh, yeah. This this can appearance in the Bud Bowl. So it was always bottles. <laughs> But this can, you know, too much showboating, I guess. Boy. What would uh, Jimmy the Greek say about these cans? Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, you know, I looked up the Bud Bowl commercials for this for 92 for the Super Bowl and they actually very much disappointed me because it's like a sweepstakes thing and the Bud Bowl actually is barely featured on screen it's like the story of some guy trying to get to a Super Bowl party to mm. bet on the Bud Bowl and see if he won it's like uh, they then occasionally show the commentators say well this is the score and if your game piece says this score then you won I was like I wanted to see the beer bottles 
uh, play against each other. I didn't want to see a story about a contest. We have a quick cut to uh, Lovejoy studiously doing his service. A uh, congregant realizes like, oh, God, I forgot about the game. Runs straight out of the room. That's Ned, Ned was not super religious yet. So no, even yeah. he's watching the game. Yeah. Uh, from Probably from his rumpus room. The, uh, we then get kind of a crummy joke about if they win, they'll be looting and turning over cars in the state capital. In the uh, country's capital today, I guess a joke about that uh, Washington, D.C. as crime in it. I would guess that's a joke. Or just how fans will destroy things when they win. Sure, <laughs> yeah, sure. It's not just... Yeah, it's not just D.C. I mean, there is a long storied history of various cities uh, deciding to set a lot of stuff on fire when their team mm-hmm. wins. I think Vancouver had it at one point. Uh, the the Phil- like There are people right now girding for whether or not Philadelphia actually wins the World Series or not. They literally have to grease poles in that town so people don't climb up them. Uh, it's a whole thing. Yeah, no, I remember an eerie E3 where hmm. the streets were quiet because the the... The Lakers were in a championship game yes. down the street, and they're like, and cops were everywhere. Of like, if the Lakers win, shit's going down. And they're like, I think the cop, there was some horseback cop who told me and my nerd friends, like, get to your hotel right now. <laughs> like, things can get really bad real soon here. I was going to say, speaking of horses, I think it was in Philadelphia that a fan was so happy his team won that he did eat the poop of a police horse. Jesus Christ. These are not sober people, to be clear. Yes. The decisions that are being made here are not under the, under the, umbrella of sobriety but uh well but fortunately because they're not doing these things for political reasons it is viewed as totally fine and uh just part of a part of the society that's for yes yeah uh, but yes, it comes down to a last second touchdown, uh, which in reality, the score was 37-24. I think it was pretty, it was pretty clear by, I think, the third, third quarter. Yeah, third, no, <laughs> the, the quarter. I'd say. Chapter. <laughs> yeah, you were right. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, this is when we get a happy ending. So with three ticks left on the clock, it all comes down to this one play. If Washington scores here, happy fans will be looting and turning over cars in our nation's capital tonight. Here's a handoff. Please, please, please. Touchdown! Next fork of this one, it is done. The Washington Redskins win right. Super Bowl 26. I guess you love Dad. I suspected as much. Yes, she loves me. She loves me. What are you so happy about, Homer? You didn't win any money. Money comes and money goes, but what I have with my daughter can go on for eight more years. After I catch my breath, can we go home? It's sweet. Uh, Homer, he'll do it for one weekend. I'm betting there wasn't a daddy-daughter day the next weekend. But he is setting trends with his new Radicals hat. Oh, yeah, that's true. I, I love bucket hats. That, well, I don't love them, but I like wearing I haven't them. seen you wear yours yet, Henry. Uh, well, I wear Break it, it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, oh, sorry, Alex. I thought, I, did you have memories of that E3, of that of that weird E3 with the Oh, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't out on the streets when that happened, but uh, a couple of coworkers of mine were out, uh, I think, getting out of some kind of event when that was happening, and they basically got kettled by the cops because they were starting to, like, come down in their you know dumbass riot like riot cop line down the street 
and they had to find a way to get out of there because they were not part of the sports celebration. They were just trying to get back to the hotel, uh, and I think they they had to like basically duck into an alleyway to get out of the 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 path <laughs> of the cops coming to get the the revelers. They yeah. they were screaming, "Please! I just previewed Castlevania: Lords of Shadow 2. <laughs> I didn't ask for this." <laughs> Uh, I believe, you know, it's bringing back more memories. I believe I had just seen Reggie Fizame of Nintendo give a comment about a Fire Emblem video game. And now I'm being told, like, you might be beaten to death by Lakers fans if you if you don't get out of here. Avoid those critical hits. <laughs> you know, it's funny. when all the, When all those years when the Kings won, not really the same thing. <laughs> but the the Mount Springfield looks beautiful. I, I really love it. It's such a, you know, it feels after all the time spent on the couch, it really does feel special to get on top of the mountain and mm-hmm. see that beautiful vista. Also, though, based on Homer's near heart attack at the start of the episode, I would assume he died on the hike down, <laughs> you know. I think he, Lisa he, just rolled him down. <laughs> He's rolled down gorgeous before and survived. <laughs> And also, yes, that Homer, I love Homer's realism of saying like eight more years, meaning when she's 16, he accepts it. Like she'll definitely hate me by the time <laughs> she's 16. But that was my translation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's a beautiful ending only undercut by, you know, your knowledge that definitely Homer will not do anything nice for Lisa the next week, but he, no. he did it at least this week. I mean, we did the entire, the make room for Lisa episode is also all about how much Homer doesn't do shit for Lisa. <laughs> and, and her moral at the end of that one is much like this one why don't you do something homer likes like i think homer gets enough stuff he likes guys you know it was a very dad perspective in that episode (laughs) yes yeah uh this one though my final thoughts are i'm surprised that i like it so much and i love this one even though it's about football which i don't care about and it's uh, basically characters watching tv for 75 percent of the episode but a part of me loves the self-control and the patience this episode has that would go away immediately like it's an anomaly right now towards the middle of the third season or towards the end of the third season really and i kind of miss that slow pacing and it's it's like one of the last glimpses of that in the series and i do really like it and it's also a very touching episode and yes yardley does deserve that emmy Mm -hmm. uh so yeah it's always one i appreciate going back to even though i don't care about football yeah (laughs) well the football is again it's more of a means to an end it's it's a thing that is about you know homer's you know uh destructive obsession and lisa trying to find her way into his good graces whether she should or not and yeah i mean this one feels like it is threading that needle between like kind of the you know the still second season early third season of we're doing like these very heartfelt sitcom plots versus like the just sort of parade of wackiness that would sort of pervade the the series going forward and don't get me wrong i love the parade of wackiness the the seasons that come after this are fantastic but it's it's a really nice blend of that stuff in an episode that like you said is paced a little bit more slowly but it has a really nice heartfelt message in it and it feels like one of the few instances where like the connection between homer and lisa uh, at the end is genuine they they're brought much closer together from the incredible distance they start in the episode with that that angered yardley smith so much that she (laughs) she swears when talking about it to this day i think it's a classic as well uh which it is done in a more grounded way than i remembered i remember more of the wacky commentary on like the halftime show or whatever but they don't hit it is hard as they would in the their next trip to the super bowl alex navarro thanks again for joining us please let us know where we can find you online and tell us more about next slander 
Absolutely. Nextlander is a, uh, a trio of folks, uh, two of my former co-workers from GiantBomb.com, a video game website. We uh, we stream games, we do a podcast, we also do a, a watchcast where we are watching films and television. All of that stuff can be found over at uh, Patreon.com slash Nextlander or just Nextlander.com, uh, and we are Nextlander on Twitter. And I am Alex underscore Navarro on Twitter uh, until the day that Musk just burns the fucking thing down. <laughs> it could have already happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like we're hours away at this point. <laughs> Not long after this episode comes out, I guess it'll be game of the year season and always a busy time for you. Indeed. And, you know, we, uh, we're, we're doing a little looser with our game of the year stuff. We're not as regimented as we used to be at Giant Bomb. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing some special episodes of our podcast around our, uh, our favorites of the year, probably in the end of December. No, I, I can't wait to hear you, you you talking about your game of the year choices and, and, and sussing them out with, uh, with, with Vinny and Brad every year is, is so fun to hear. I, oh, I thank always you. look forward to it. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> so. No, thank you, Alex, so much for coming on. It was yes. always great to have you. Thank, thank you, you again, so much Alex. for having me. I, I really enjoy being on this show. And uh, so far, you've you've pretty much picked great episodes, ones that I love. So I'm, I'm always happy to do it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Wait until next time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll, we'll give you a season 14 one. We'll oh, see how God. you feel then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again to Alex Navarro for being on the show. Please check out everything he's doing over at Nextlander. But as for us, if you want to check out more of what we do and get these episodes one week at a time and ad-free, please head on over to patreon.com slash talk. Talking Simpsons. Sign up for five bucks a month, you get just that, but also access to everything behind the $5 paywall that includes over a hundred episodes of our podcast miniseries covering things like Mission Hill and The Critic. And uh, we have monthly ongoing miniseries about uh, Futurama and King of the Hill. And right now we are doing our exclusive uh, annual miniseries. We're doing season two of Blab About Batman, the animated series, our podcast miniseries all about Batman, the animated series, a new episode every week through the end of 2022. You can only Find it behind the $5 paywall only at patreon.com slash talking simpsons and there is a $10 level as well on patreon when you sign up for that you get access to everything behind the $5 paywall of course but also access to one mega long podcast once a month only for patrons of that level or higher and what is that henry bob is talking about the what a cartoon movie podcast where we cover a different animated feature film once a month going super in depth just like we do an episode the simpsons often going over four hours about an animated feature film last month at the end of october we covered Transformers the movie, the 1986 classic uh, toy commercial. And this month we are covering the 2012 stop motion uh, cult classic, I would say, Paranorman. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. And at the end of the year, we'll be covering the holiday classic, Tokyo Godfathers. And there's a giant back catalog over four years of what a cartoon movies at your fingertips at that $10 a month level that you can check out. I would say over 270 hours of what a cartoon movie podcast of us covering so many different things. Uh, we've done both Beavis and Butthead movies, do America and do the universe. If you liked our talk about the butt bowl in this one, everything from Akira to a goofy movie, as I've said, uh, as I enjoy saying. So please check out everything you're missing at Patreon dot com slash talking simpsons 
As for me, I've been one of your hosts, Bob Mackey. You can find me on Twitter as Bob Servo, and my other podcast, by the way, is Retronauts. You can find that wherever you find podcasts or go to patreon.com slash retronauts. Sign up there for two full-length bonus episodes every month. And Henry, how about you? You can follow me on Twitter at H-E-N-E-R-E-Y-G. Stay up to date with what's going on in my life. As well, you should follow the official Twitter account of this podcast at Talk Simpsons Pod. You will stay up to date when new things happen on the Patreon, on the free feed. If we've got live shows, anything going on, you know it if you follow at Talk Simpsons Pod. And of course, if you would like an easy to explore list of all of the free episodes we've done of this podcast and our sister podcast, What a Cartoon, you can find it all and more at Talking Simpsons Pod. Podcast.com. Thanks so much for listening, folks. We'll see you again next time for season 13's Blame It on Lisa, and we'll see you again. Sure, man. Don't tell me what to do, Sonny. I've been gambling since I was eight, and I've been hocking jewelry since I was twelve. Now give me some chips. <laughs> <laughs>